0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host Darren Mooney and joining me as always is my co-host Andrew Quinn. How are you Andrew? Hello
1: Darren, I'm always here. Still here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just sit around waiting when you're not there. Yeah, I'm very well, <laughs> thanks. How, how how are you doing? This week, uh, Darren.
0: I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I feel like I've been kind of thrown back a little while. I think time's been working interestingly in the pandemic, which is kind of a nice segue into talking about the movie that we're here to talk about today, which is James Cameron's 1984 science fiction cult classic, The Terminator. And we have two fantastic guests lined up. I always feel awkward when I say that, as if to imply that all the other guests we have are not fantastic. But as always, we have two fantastic guests lined up to help us talk about this. We have a new guest on the podcast, uh, playwright, screenwriter, and actor Emmett Kerwin. How are you, Emmett? Very good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Our pleasure. Um, And we also have regular, well, semi-regular 250 guest, Joe Griffith. How are you?
2: Uh, Good. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here.
0: Perfect. So before we start, what we normally do is when we ask guests if they want to come to the podcast, we ask them to pick movies that they want to discuss, and so we'll kind of orient the orient the conversation around movies that the guests have chosen. So this actually arose from conversation with Emmett. I asked Emmett what would he like to talk about in the list, and he fired back. He said, "I would really like to talk about the Terminator, the 1984 James Cameron franchise starting kind of block, well not blockbuster, low budget independent film that became a blockbuster franchise." So Emmett, what is it about the Terminator that kind of grabbed your attention? Why why did you single that one out as one you wanted to
3: talk about? Yeah, I think when we were chatting first off, you said Casino and 1984, uh, Casino and and The Terminator were kind of two films that you you might be interested in talking about. And I love Casino, but there's something about Terminator. I would have watched Terminator because I'm an 80s kid. So uh, videos and that kind of thing of something that maybe you shouldn't have been given at the age of eight (laughs) or maybe nine. Uh, And I think my cousin gave it to me on a recorded television recording maybe in the late 80s. And I only, watching it recently, I only copped on that he'd given it to me, like, with the first 15 minutes of the film gone. So for years I might have, I think I actually watched The Terminator without, multiple times, as you do as a child, without actually knowing what the, the premise of it was or, you know, the the, the, the scene setting scenario of the two time travellers coming back from the future. Uh, you missed and, yeah.
1: so much nudity. Yeah,
3: I missed, I missed the form of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And actually yeah. in later films I was only watching, I was like he looks because they've they've done you know all these like CGI kind of uh, re re recreations of him in the new oh, movie. Oh yeah, for Genesis, I think was the one. Yeah, yeah and they did him like they recreated that entire scene in the original, and uh, and he's so I watched it on Blu-ray and it's so smooth. And I was like, look at his skin, he's so smooth. And Adonis, I was <laughs> like, is he CGI? And I was like, it's no, Emmett. James Cameron described him as the original special effect. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> It's like his muscles.
2: Yeah, and they. The guy, um, <clears throat> De Laurentiis, the producer of Conan the Barbarian, said if we couldn't have found somebody like Schwarzenegger to play Conan the Barbarian, we would have had to build him. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, just... Which is what they did. For the, the the last time, the 2010 *Colin the Barbarian*, they literally built Jason Momoa. <laughs> like there was some sort of ridiculous thing where Jason Momoa was eating chicken between takes, and like you know in <laughs> order to maintain that bizarre kind of body that all of these actors now have that they wouldn't have. You know, Schwarzenegger had it because he was a he was a bodybuilder. You know, he worked yeah, in Mr. Universe. Arts, yeah. It. Because yeah,
1: yeah. they had, they had all the kind of like Will Chamberlain and Andre the Giant and uh, Grace Jones, like all of these like uh, exceptionally large people. <laughs> you know, they they're like they're all kind of like six foot uh, uh, plus. And make uh, make Schwarzenegger look like he's small in Conan. Um, I, th- I think that was Conan the Destroyer. Actually. Yes,
0: it was the one that they actually decided to make in the middle of the Terminator in order to screw over James Cameron, which I quote it's a detail I really like. Yeah, they pulled Schwarzenegger away, so they had to postpone filming. It was originally meant to shoot in Toronto, I believe, and then they called him back to make Conan the Destroyer. Um, but yeah, so you kind of you had that experience of coming to it through VHS, and I actually had a similar experience with I think, Batman '89, where I first watched a version that I recorded off BBC or my parents recorded off BBC. And for years, I didn't know that there's a sequence where, like, Jack Nicholson burns a man alive in the movie because that had been edited out for Christmas viewing. So when I watched it at the age of twelve for the first time, that was horrifying to me. But Joe, what about you? What about yourself? Do you remember the first time you saw the Terminator?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, it was weird. I remember it being talked about a lot, and I didn't actually see it until um, years after it was released, when it was it was on TV as well. I, it was bbc2 something like that and i remember hearing that it was going to be on a week or two beforehand i was about 13 uh, which would make it like 1989 Uh Um, so i remember the excitement of it because i knew of the phenomenon of schwarzenegger but i'd never seen a schwarzenegger film Uh all the way through Um, so yeah i was really excited and actually i remember because i thought i had no chance of seeing this film because it was Gone from cinemas, and like I was 12 or 13 at the time. I remember getting another kid to describe it to me entirely, and like <laughs> this kid was <is>, uh, 15 <laughs> or 16. Um, and he did, he told me the whole thing. And um,
1: did he become a successful actor? Um, I actually don't know do what I became of was, him. Was there a career in that? What?
3: But there's oh, that was he, he the for incredible. Audible.
0: Yeah. A... That was how Christopher Nolan got his start. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Saw, he saw Star Wars. Yeah, he saw Star Wars in Chicago, then flew back to the UK, and apparently would regale his schoolmates by describing the plot of Star Wars to them.
1: I I think that's what Robert De Niro would do as well, wasn't it? Like, I I think there's a few stories of these actors who would come home and tell like their grandparents or something, <laughs> kind of like how movies went,
2: like folklore, storytelling. Uh, um, yeah. um, so yeah, I remember being really excited about it, and then. Um I wasn't allowed to watch eighteen cert movies until I was eighteen. I I got the impression in school that I was the only kid in school like that, because all the others were like, What I would just tell my dad to lock off. Oh, no. they just <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not they did, I don't know. Um but but you know what I mean, like n- nobody would admit to not being allowed to watch eighteen movies, but I wasn't. And um so but when I recorded stuff off TV, it wasn't as policed as as heavily or they it didn't have like if i recorded terminator off tv it didn't have a big red sticker saying 18s on it so <laughs> i could watch stuff i recorded off tv uh more easily and yeah it was a kind of an illicit treat with the with the violence and the adult themes and stuff like that but what's what's really great is there's there's a lot of movies that people see as a kid and they they're obsessed with it because they saw it as a kid and I don't know, like defending the Goonies on Twitter won't make you feel like you're eight again, so don't bother. Whereas, <laughs> uh, or like Space Jam, I see people are defending that on Twitter, and <laughs> like this. I get
3: that—that's a real thing, yeah.
2: Yeah, you were full of Skittles, and you were six when you saw it, so I can understand why you loved it then. But it's okay to grow out of it. But Terminator is one of those movies that I saw when I was whatever thirteen, and is better than many of the subsequent. Action movies or sci-fi movies or thrillers or whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't. So it's it's like my favorite kind of film, like Paul Verhoeven films as well, in that it's it delivers a kind of pulpy B movie thrills, but it's also very well structured and structurally sound and um, intelligent and ambitious, and it's it's got conviction. It's sincere. So I only I rewatched it like last week with uh, my wife, who somehow got through life having never seen it. And yeah, we both loved it again. It's it's a terrific movie. And so, yeah, it's it's really gratifying when something you loved as a kid is still good, because most things you loved as a kid are not good anymore. <laughs> and,
0: and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you remember the first time you saw The Terminator?
1: I, I remember my first exposure to it. I remember... Um... With Windows 95 we had a CD-ROM called Cinemania. Oh yes. Which had yeah, do you remember that? I remember that, yes. It was like Encarta but for for for, for movies. movies. And um it had that clip from the um from 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 the police station in it. Um and that was like that was that was how I got my exposure to most movies because like uh, like Joe I wasn't allowed to 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 see the these 18s movies and um and I remember thinking like I I'm I'm probably being uh, being parented the right way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like I'm, um this probably will make me a better person somehow because it I'm, sucks.
0: I'm glad um, my parents care about me so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I kind so onerous it's got to
2: be good for you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Builds character. Whereas, like <laughs> Um, like I never realized I could just tell my parents to, to go screw. <laughs> um, you mean this uh, works for people? <laughs>
0: According to the kids who were in my sixth class. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um. But there was also that thing of like the, I would, I would record movies on VHS. Um, and like if it was, if, if it, it there would be a thing as well where like, if it was a sort of a steamy movie. You'd have to record it and then, like, come home from school early, watch it, and then record over it so that it's not there anymore? Um, <laughs> or was that just me writing another movie's title on the sticker? I feel like this explains
0: quite a lot, Andrew. I'm um, <laughs> someone... to go through all that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's known
0: Andrew for 20 years. Um, perhaps. Maybe so so he goes bananas
1: for yeah. nine and a so half easy. weeks or days. <laughs> Um, sorry
3: Emmett Herbie's got Herbie goes bananas over nine and a half weeks or something <laughs> yeah yeah
1: exactly <laughs> um,
3: different That's sort it. of
0: uh, ride in that one I think but uh just quickly let's throw this open to the floor because I think we're, we're probably going to talk about it later on but just actually point of curiosity so both Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day are on the 250 they're both considered kind of classic movies they're both considered among James Cameron's best movies However, like Alien and Aliens, it inevitably comes down to a conversation. So, which do we prefer? So, do we have a favorite of the Terminator and Terminator Judgment Day? Do we think it's a point worth debating?
3: Um, is the original better than the sequel,
0: or is it kind of are they entirely different films? So, Emmett, I think
3: yeah, I think the, I think the original is better than the sequel. Um, it's funny he kind of, in the way that Alien is a is a haunted house haunted house uh, movie in space. Um, Terminator is a is a is a horror film, and I I hate not hate horror films, but I don't watch them. I can't watch them, and as a child I couldn't watch them. So, but I was obsessed with science fiction. So once the horror setting was always in a science fiction thing, I was I, I could watch it. You know, I could <clears throat> I could take it on board. I don't know why nuclear holocaust was less for scary to me than Freddy, <laughs> or, you know, Jason. I don't know, yeah. Obviously for real, it, there was something quite real about it. Um, I think that it's an exploitation movie that's that has something because of the the economy of filmmaking that they had to deal with, the lack of budget, the kind of, it's dirty, it's gritty. You were saying earlier it was originally supposed to be shot in Toronto. You know, it's shot in LA, but it's a very particular time. It's like a time capsule kind of of America in the 1980s that even if it meant to set out to do this, obviously it was about Cold War politics and nuclear horror and the fear of that. But just even that, there's like, you know, references to things like, a PCP, you know, I've seen a guy in PCP get shot before, and it's you know, it's dark and it's dirty and it's grimy and it's an exploitation movie. It's a horror film. Michael Bean is in it, and Michael Bean isn't in the sequel. You know what I mean? So for me, Terminator Two is like something that was has a sheen on it, a kind of you know, yeah. beautiful kind well, it's of. It's a blockbuster. Even, it's a conventional studio
0: blockbuster It is, but actually. even
3: LA had changed in the six or seven eight years since it was made. So it's just they're two totally different films. I think in the same way, Alien is the horror in space and aliens is the is the you know action movie thrill thrill ride i kind of think that's what he did with terminator as well he made the original horror film and then the second one is an action film it's not a horror film at all that you know man chasing you through the you know the unstoppable man in your dreams kind of chasing you you know we've all had that and uh, i think it's a, i think it's a much more complex film than the original terminator i think there's grander kind of budgets and ideas in the in the second one but i think it's a much more complex and tightly wound Film.
0: It is worth noting, actually, that again, Cameron filming this, um, this was his second film, um, although. Cameron is very fond of stating that it was his first film because he doesn't consider Piranha 2 mm-hmm. to be yeah, a yeah, worthy yeah. first film to have directed. Uh, but it, Cameron had worked under, I think, Roger Corman and picked up a lot of kind of the skill and craft and technique. It's very much, you mentioned it's an Exploitation B movie. It absolutely is. They would do things like shoot without permits, for example. And when officers stopped them, they'd tell them that they were from UCLA and they didn't realize they needed permits. Yeah, um, yeah. And apparently they got away
3: with it <laughs> quite frequently. Uh, but,
1: but yeah. Was nearly early right. <laughs> <laughs> but they they all
3: get Gayel and Heard and all of them, they all worked for Corman. So they all kind of yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen those like great reviews of the Phantom Menace and stuff like that, where they talk about like the guy does all these things like why the Phantom I'll Menace back. is terrible. It's because Lucas didn't have anybody, didn't have any friends around him that were willing to tell him that idea is absolute crap. Get rid of it. Whereas <laughs> it is something where you know they say Cameron has a huge ego or whatever but he really did make this film by consensus with the you know uh, everybody with the the Stan Winston and the musicians and the producers you know what I mean it's a real collaborative effort if you watch any documentaries about it you know they they made it kind of like a student film uh, all pitching in together you know so they all felt they had something to do with it you know
0: all right and Joe what about yourself do you have a preference for either of the Terminators so is this the best Terminator film well of the two candidates. We didn't include
3: <laughs> the, the six uh, of them.
0: Yes, we didn't include uh, Terminator 3, Can we Genesis, talk about Self-hash.
3: them later? <laughs> yeah. Can we mention them uh, later, actually? Do, do we want to? Okay, we can go back to them, yeah.
2: <laughs> I actually think that very last one was underrated, but we can get into Dark that. Fate? Okay. <laughs> um, I prefer Terminator 2. Um, I love them both, uh, but I've got a real uh, passion or real affection for action movies, and is one of the best action filmmakers there is. And uh, he just had this incredible canvas. It was arguably the most expensive film ever made. And um, when an action scene in Terminator 2 kicks off, same in Terminator 1, um, it's almost like transcendental. Like, you know, you're gonna be completely transfixed and swept away in this moment. And um, I also think that it's still, an auteur movie. It's still, um, Cameron saying things that he wants to say. It is like the beautiful scene in the middle of it where the the film just slows down to breathe and you, you get, um, Linda Hamilton's character talking about whether a machine can be a better father than a, a human. And then mm. the, the horrible nightmare scene and then the asylum escape. It's just, it's just like. An absolute feast of entertainment. That movie, I love them both, um, but yeah, I personally prefer Terminator two.
0: And Andrew, tiebreaker.
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know that was his name. You still have to vote, uh, Darren. Did you call me Ty <laughs> <laughs> Um I I I I kind of I kind of prefer um, uh, the Terminator. Some some something that surprised me kind of because I I think I'd seen it a few times before was, um, like the second or third time I watched it, realizing how kind of um, uh, 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 low budget it was, yeah. um, and and there 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 is something charming about those kind of. Um, uh, Relatively low budget, kind of practical effect, um, kind of sci-fi horrors yeah. from 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 the eighties. I mean, this this <laughs> another Orion movie. Yeah. Um, are um, we are we building it's not are we building quite towards... RoboCop?
0: Oh, I was gonna say we hit <laughs> we hit that obligatory RoboCop reference. We're oh.
1: <laughs> we're getting to it now. Yeah, but it was but, um, no, I I I do I do prefer it. I mean, a, a lot of. I think I think when I spoke about T two um, Judgment Day, um, a lot of my like kind of issue with 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 the movie was Edward Furlong and kind of like while 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 he does some kind of like good stuff, it it's kind of you feel, like, disappointed watching it to find out that, like, this was what all this was for. (laughs) You know, for this punk kid. Like, (laughs) he just seems like a real jerk. And it's like, this is John Connor. Um, Like, you know, anyway, so I I prefer... I I do prefer The Terminator. I think there there, there, there perhaps are more... um, there was more of an opportunity in T two for for Cameron to do some of the things he wants to do, um, and it's great great to kind of see that. But that that sort of like really kind of high budget like um very like kind of um groundbreaking um special effects driven movies have never really been something that kind of um get, gets me going. Like the I like I like this because of of the. The way like even some of the kind of um, droid scenes <laughs> remind me of the kind of Ed Two Nine stuff and the, which <laughs> which kind of you know the 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 stop motion the kind of real feel yeah. of it yeah
0: the, the kind of tangibility of it the gravity the weight yeah. that you don't really get in CGI that much
1: absolutely and while 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 T Two and stuff like Jurassic Park were kind of forays into it that hadn't gotten too um, egregious or gratuitous yet. Um, they, they, you, you still kind of f- f- find watching these kind of movies, um, maybe looking back a little nostalgically.
0: Cause um, yes, it is worth noting. I think this is probably the only real B movie on the two fifty. The only one that we've really covered that actually feels like a proper exploitation movie. Um, Because, I mean, the the list is, you know, it's, it's a very respectable list in some places. It has a lot of Kurosawa on there. It has films like Come and See. It also has kind of more conventional stuff, some big superhero stuff, a lot of Spielberg and Scorsese stuff. But this is the one that really feels like it was kind of shot by a bunch of people, you know, operating without any licenses on a really tiny budget and making every penny count. And I kind of like that aspect of it kind of being on the list, actually. I think that going back and watching it, I think what Andrew said, that real kind of grotty we are figuring this out as we go aspect of it
3: um it's funny like Cameron though you said that you were saying earlier when he he had that extra year when Schwarzenegger had to go off and make Conan the Destroyer you know honing the script so all of the sequels there's holes in all of them you know and even mm. like modern kind of marvel movies you know the plots and the recent star wars films you're like you know how much money did they give the script writers but there's like plot holes that are just like you could drive a car through but actually watching this back it's brilliant in the sense that there's there's it's ridiculous premise, you know, a few two people like he explains the time travel and even kind of does this weird thing in the middle of it where he has a psychiatrist who interrogates <laughs> we call this the psycho scene, um but in the middle of the film <laughs> but, he, but he but he's not just interrogating Michael bean, he's interrogating the script yeah, as the audience yeah. member and he's like the cricket cr- crickets, the critics going well why didn't they just come back and kill you know the grandmother or why didn't they just kill john connor when he's a boy or when they get to send multiple people back and you know and then like michael bean has an answer for each one so it's like he's interrogating his own script and he probably got that in the extra time but it, it goes towards cameron you know as a, as a detailed filmmaker that wouldn't let anything go whereas a lot of movies now they'll just be like making it up they you know they're making it up as they go but they would they would fix things and post or whatever you know he he was really able to do that
0: and not to play into the stereotype of kind of Cameron as the kind of egotistical, maniacal sort of director that he might become later on as much as I love him. But I love that after he does that, he has a psychiatrist say, look at how brilliant this is. There are <laughs> yeah, no plot yeah. holes. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> While re-watching it as well, like just to underscore that aspect. Look at how great my script is.
3: He's uh, I uh, I don't know, we'll touch on it in a minute. Like uh, as we get through, but the Harlan Ellison. The, yes, told you about this. yes. We can touch on it in a minute. Of, we, yeah. Yeah, well, well, no, we're, no, we're
0: talking we, about egos. We, egos oh yeah, okay. well, clashing egos, clashing. But sorry, Joe, you were going to say something.
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, about that psychiatrist scene. It's such a great um, exposition device, and it's like Emmet of all of us would probably be able to articulate the challenges of telling plot through dialogue. And, you know, it's mentioned in, it's uh, satired in Simpsons all the time, like, uh, well, I hope nothing bad happens. I am president of the United States. Here here... we
3: are at the Springfield School. What an odd thing to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, And it's actually even harder to do that now that people are kind of looking out for that. Um, But Cameron actually has at least three examples I can think of, of people telling important plot things um to other characters who think that they're crazy so it's like something like yeah the terminator example and then in um aliens, aliens. sigourney weaver and then obviously in terminator 2 um they have like a little recap of that scene with linda hamilton and the asylum and she is starting to say all that stuff because terminator 2 is so much bigger budget and schwarzenegger was such a bigger star when they're making it there many people going to see it would not have seen the first movie so it's a really neat device uh, to have like a scene with dramatic conflict and where you get to know a bit more of the characters and characters get to show their emotions while also simultaneously like piling loads of information and exposition like, onto the viewers. Just
3: to touch on that, he does it in a, in a great way where he gives most of the exposition to, well he gives all of it to Michael Bean, but it's done on the run. Mm. So Michael yeah. Bean is like shooting out of the car, he's with a shotgun and then he's like, <laughs> you know, Skynet <laughs> blew up everything and doing it in a intense, Hand me a pipe bomb. <laughs> yeah, 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 hand me a pipe bomb. Like, and it's, so it's all on the run. So usually what happens is they'll stop a movie. And it's actually funny, I forgot about that, about Terminator 2. Terminator 2 actually has a voiceover. Whereas Terminator yeah. one doesn't. And they do. I forgot about that, Joe, when you're saying he stops the movie. Whereas if he had have stopped Terminator, just the movie would have stopped dead. It was a balancing act of it just had to keep the perpetual motion of it moving forward, 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 never stopping. Whereas they can in Terminator two, you know. Um I know we'll get on to the acting, but I I wanna do give a little shout out to Michael Bean in a bit. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, and in terms of Bean's exposition, actually, it's worth mentioning that I love that whenever like he, Cameron hits a point where it's like there's enough exposition, he will quite literally have Michael Bean go, I don't know, I'm not a tech guy. Mm.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, still, I didn't uh, build a thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I've given you all like, you need. Stop yeah. nitpicking. Um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's re- it. That's all you're getting. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, refreshing. Like... Yeah. Um but Emmett, sorry, you were it's... gonna
4: oh sorry, Andrew. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say it's refreshing because of all of the Scorsese movies we've done lately. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to kind of like, as much as we like Scorsese movies, for like like all all of the exposition done in a very kind of like like in in in, in the most kind of with with someone with so much voiceover to find other ways of doing that in a movie. Even where you have like Sarah Connor like talking into a dictaphone, <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, like, rehearsing um, for
0: a Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Like you can tell exactly. that he's like, what if this, but the entire movie? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I do
0: love the like, idea that James Cameron's The Irishman would be 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, um, sorry, Emmett, you wanted to mention uh, Harlan Ellison, actually. Um, yeah, and this creative, the special credit at the end. Um, it's the. It's an, With acknowledgement of Harlan Ellison, I think it is.
3: Yeah, uh, it's kind of after Harlan Ellison or, you know, <laughs> what some playwrights do if they write like a checkoff play to say after Chekhov or something. So both of them, and this, this should be said, Ellison, I don't know if you ever actually watched any review, interviews with Ellison. He is not bonkers. He's just really kind of. Uh, effusive and kind of like chatty and he's a writer but he's like he's garrulous you know he talks as fast as, as he writes like he would literally turn out like 90 stories 90 short stories in a week so anyway the you know Cameron was quoted in Starlog magazine saying that they were, where did you get the ideas for this and he goes I just ripped off a couple of Harlan Ellison stories so one of Ellison's friends writes for Starlog and actually sent him uh the 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 dictaphone thing of the the interview and Alison's like I have him I have him so Alison wanted to get a hand at a script they wouldn't give him the script he was also a reviewer so actually what happened was there is two stories that are written by Alison called Soldier from Tomorrow or Soldier and uh, Demon with the Glass Hands which he says wasn't actually ripped off but they're, ve- they're, they're out of limits on Twilight Zone episodes and it literally is that there's a soldier from the future warps into 1950s LA is being chased by cops it's up on YouTube it's identical the opening and then there's another thing about like soldiers coming back to um chains the past or living amongst us uh, whilst also looking as humans like the Terminator did but um I'd say Cameron was killing himself because like Alison says it, he goes Cameron you know who apparently has as big an ego as me and <laughs> Cameron, I have not written down here. What did Cameron say? Oh, Cameron says... Well, Cameron something...
0: Cameron was... The great thing about Cameron is he was gagged at the time. So all this stuff is retroactive, which is, makes it especially petty. Because it's like, when it happened, Cameron couldn't say anything. But like, since about 2008, since Ellison died, Cameron has taken every opportunity...
3: And he said, "You know, this I have here." He is, Cameron said, "He's a parasite who can kiss my ass." <laughs> he said it was. A, he said it was a nuisance case, but it's. It is. It's kind of you're going. Look, man, you did. You absolutely did. But like all of those magazines, all of those writers who were influenced by those magazines, the, you know, sci-fi pulp magazines like Galaxy Magazine, Amazing Stories, Imagination from the uh, like, you know, they were ripping off like Lovecraft. They were all kind of taking on each other, like H.G. Kind of Wells. Yeah, you know, so like obviously you are an accumulation of all the things that you've read. So the ideas might be popping around there. And he did. The Terminator is a unique story in the sense that he took what he knew and he turned it into something else. But Ellison did actually say, he said, if he had I've actually just come to me beforehand and said, I have... I, that jump off points is your short story I'd like to do this he would have given him a, a nod and said go ahead but yeah it really bites with Cameron and he does have an ego that uh, Ellison gets a credit on it it's, it's a bugbear of his yeah. if you want and to piss of... him off in a bar I you know they <laughs> say oh, Irish people don't come up to people like you're James Cameron aren't you <laughs> I heard Harlan Ellison's an asshole <laughs>
1: that's why he dives to the bottom of the ocean to get
2: away from him <laughs> <laughs> um, having, um, having, he goes he goes down so deep train. and
3: Harlan Ellison
0: yeah your legal real order doesn't stand here. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um, isn't uh, La Jetée supposed to be a big influence as well? Um, had, had you guys heard about this? Well, no. So I don't know if you guys know of La Jetée, the French, really odd, really interesting uh movie. Uh, it's a short movie told with photographs and voiceover, and Twelve Monkeys was an adaptation of it, and. I, I had heard that, and it's from like I think the '60s, and I'd heard that that was also an influence on Terminator, uh, because it also deals with the future being beyond repair, and then the only way to repair it is to go back and reset something again. Uh, but um, yeah, like it's like you said, Emmet, there's anyone who creates something is. Uh, a combination of everything they've absorbed before they start creating. that thing.
3: What's that one? The 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 movie in- Inception. You know, the, the Japanese anime Paprika. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost you're like God. Wow, he's actually lifted scenes. Like you know, uh, he's lifted entire setups that are in that movie and then put them on. Now, whether or not he knows that or whether or not he's seen it and forgot, I don't know. But it's it's there. The elevator, the whole thing. You know, dreams taking over. It's uh, it's quite. Yeah, I don't know. I'd take a case. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and in terms of influences, maybe online, you dreamt like,
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't dream and it up, uh, eh? But that's uh, the thing that kind of made, of made me think about the 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 idea of sci-fi not being so scary as um, as like out-and-out horror movies that don't have a sci-fi kind of a hook. Is maybe 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 the reason is that horror is more sort of um archetypal that it comes from something kind of um kind of deep within kind of yeah exactly yeah yeah whereas kind of uh, sci-fi is more kind of like looking forward and imagining things that could be and typically um, built on
0: rules as well and sort of like organizing principles as well which by their nature perhaps make things less scary In that if you have a set of rules that you're following at least you know what they are
1: yeah yeah like the Um. the it 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 feel, yeah and it's 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 like um you always feel like there's a chance kind of like in the future when you're dealing with like technology and things um versus when there's just these kind of like evil forces kind of coming for you
3: and the new ideas though as well like you know robots well not robots but like you know nuclear Holocaust is something that's yeah. at this time 40 years old, so you know, it really yeah. is something that sets the imaginations of that entire generation of Americans alight and it was the thing I was most afraid of, that and volcanoes, the life <laughs> exploding, and quicksands <laughs> and what else? Yeah, Well it's things. happened you
1: know, before yeah. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, you know <laughs> Get up. It feels,
3: yeah. feels like the worst thing you could do
0: is become a Scientologist in that case then, um, yeah, yeah, volcanoes yeah. and nuclear weapons put together um, What I will say do mention that, them <laughs> what's worth noting actually in terms of uh, yeah sorry we probably
1: shouldn't mention the S word but in (laughs) I don't know like it's maybe not such a bad idea I mean it might be great for your career (laughs) (laughs) sorry
0: Um, but uh, in in terms of uh, Cameron's influence on this as well it's also worth noting things like say the X-Men Days of Future Past uh, which was a comic which was written in the 70s which which would have been out when Cameron was a child which was itself a rip off of a Doctor Who episode from the earlier 70s as well so again all going around in circles but Cameron apparently drew the idea of of this from when he was in Rome when he was working on Piranha 2 uh, and he was feeling deeply deeply unhappy he would have nightmares and have like nightmares about being in a strange and alien city and apparently that's why the movie is shot the way that it is why it uses things like say slow motion and stuff like that you'll notice that repeatedly throughout it goes into and out of slow motion and you know things like the use of lighting the neon lighting the strong color green strong color blue and things like that sorry just the, the strong color blue it's thing is
3: something that's a lot of netflix you know with digital cameras now a lot of like greens oranges and blues and stuff like that you continue to see because of the digital cameras dictating that to the filmmakers but he was doing that back then with whatever camera they were using i don't know but I, like, I, you,
0: I, I think somebody described the terminator as the best michael mann movie before michael mann started making michael <laughs> mann movies basically um um, all right, then. I think we're about ready to jump into the spoiler zone. So to kick us off, I'm going to ask Joe to go first. Um, so Joe, do you think that The Terminator belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I think it's great. Um, I think it's, yeah, fantastically entertaining and has ambitions beyond its um, B-movie aspirations, but it still works as a refund B-movie too. So yeah, I love it. And it's certainly better than Many other films on that list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Casting Shade. All right, then. <laughs> and and, and, that was and a, Emmett, what about that was you? A subtweet. Yeah. Um, of I think like 140 of the movies on the 250 I suspect
3: um, and e- Emmett what about yourself do
0: you think that this belongs to the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made?
3: Oh yeah I would you know <laughs> I probably have an alternative to the like 250 you know what I mean so this is yeah. this is probably one of the ones that I want on there you know what I mean I'd be the same I think there's about maybe 150 that could get score could cold, yeah. off that 250 list you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Andrew what about yourself?
1: Um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. I, I mean, I I like it, but I I suppose what 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 might kind of hold it back maybe is um, is not not maybe not have have having some of the uh, thematic depth, which is why I guess why I guess I'm looking forward to kind of hearing what the movie meant for 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 people. Like I, I felt, I felt like it, 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 it wasn't maybe a movie that was kind of as important as it could have been, maybe. Um, but um, have, have having said that, I've no problem with it being on the list. It is better than Hatchie. <laughs> <laughs> um, although it doesn't have, it doesn't have, um, it do, it does, it does have some dogs in it, but. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, but it, it, it's uh, better, better than Hatchie, which is on the list. Is that our so new standard?
0: Like better or I, worse than I, Hatchie? It,
1: it very well might be. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This, this, it, 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 it is an incredible movie, and I and and I do prefer it to Terminator Two, so I have no problem with it with it being on the list. I'm just not sure if I'd have it on.
3: I think I think some of those thematic things. I was like watching it again, again, again. again um, they, they were they were a generation that was incredibly influenced by Vietnam. And, you know, those future set kind of pieces of the guerrilla warfare kind of, you know, fighting against the major kind of big machine that's there to crush them. But also the difference, and I I don't know if we're going to touch on this, but I wanted to mention it's just Michael Bean and his performance. There is a kind of crazed, wild-eyed Vietnam vet kind of thing, you know, when he's screaming at her and, you know, a wild kind of acting style that would not get away with nowadays by any actor in an action movie. He's kind of an intensity that you don't usually get. And even him physically comparatively Sega Sega Genesis, Uh, Terminator, Sega Genesis, whatever that one was. (laughs) Uh,
0: Jay Courtney, Terminator, yeah.
3: Yeah, Jay Jay Courtney. The man with seven abs,
0: which is fascinating to me.
3: This is the thing. So Sega Genesis, uh, he pops back from the future. And somehow, in a post-apocalyptic future, he's managed to get himself his hands on a protein shake. Uh, <laughs> he's you know, been using multi- the doll gym. Yeah, yeah, multiple protein shakes. He's built like a tank. He almost has the same physicality as Arnold Schwarzenegger has in the uh, in the original Terminator. Whereas Michael Bean is this like slim down coiled spring. He looks like something that's about to like explode or pop up into someone's face. You know, war scarred, his face, everything, which they just kind of discounted completely for the um, uh, Terminator Genesis thing. So I don't know. There's a kind of detail in the filmmaking, and and alludes to that kind of thing of not only were they scarred from the Vietnam War, they're going to be scarred by a future war that's also going to wipe out not just everything they were, but everything you know they hope to be. You know that kind of way. Like, and I don't know. I, there is. I don't know if it's intentional, but I did mention that earlier about the 1980s. It's very much yeah, it's about America as well in the 1980s, whether they wanted it to be or not. Oh. No, Just on, on 1990s, the Vietnam.
1: 90s uh, must have been such a, um, an anti-climax. A lost decade. <laughs> yeah. The 90s yeah, the, must have been a lost decade happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. They,
3: they say the halcyon days, like the filmmaking kind of all became, <laughs> yeah, well, whatever.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? Well, just very quickly on the Vietnam thing, it's worth noting as well that, like, Emmett mentioned the idea of the scars of Vietnam, and particularly in the context of 80s cinema, where a lot of 80s cinema is about recreating Vietnam, and recreating a version of Vietnam where the Americans are the underdogs and the victims, where effectively you have the Americans becoming the Viet Cong. So think of, for example, Star Wars, where our plucky band of rebels against a galactic alliance, but think even of, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies like Predator, where it's a bunch of guys in a jungle being targeted by a hyper-advanced, like, external invading force, for example. Or even Die Hard, where you have this kind of East. Asian company which is taken over by these very advanced, very well armed terrorists and you've got this plucky one guy who's got to fight a guerrilla warfare against them. But what's interesting about Terminator in that context, because it, it very much is that it very much is that kind of plucky band of kind of resistance fighters against a gigantic metal machine. It's exactly what Emmett mentioned with with Bine, which is that During the 80s, you had this obsession with hard bodies and American masculinity, this idea of kind of like action stars were built like Sylvester Stallone or built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, these, you know, massive bodies. And the idea that, you know, yeah, the Uber men, basically. And the idea that, you know, ironically enough for Schwarzenegger that they represented this kind of American ideal. It's like, well, we were emasculated in Vietnam, so look at what we're putting on screen right now. What I think is interesting about The Terminator is that it basically inverts that. So instead of like casting Schwarzenegger as the Viet Cong, as you do in, say, Predator or casting Stallone as the Viet Cong as you do in the first two Rambo
2: movies. The second of oh, yeah, which was actually aliens as well. Aliens yeah. reminds me of yeah. Vietnam. It was...
1: yeah. well, James, James, Cameron, James Cameron, Cameron, I think he he was, he, wrote... he was writing both Aliens and Rambo Two.
4: At the same they, time they, while they, working on Like this, in yeah. the
1: delay coming yeah. up to this, was not you? Yeah, so it's Sorry, all no. it's
0: all percolating in, in kind of Cameron's consciousness. But what I was gonna say is that yeah, what what's interesting about the Terminator in that context is that it rejects it takes that metaphor of like what if the Americans were the Viet Cong, but rejects the hard body and gives you Michael Bynes instead. And who is wired very much, but he's also very small physically. He's quite, he is quite wiry, but he's also incredibly vulnerable. He's suffering post-traumatic stress disorder quite literally throughout the film. Um, He's unreliable. He's shaky. He's traumatized. He's like introduced stealing pants off a homeless person and wearing a coat that is literally a Vietnam surplus coat. I think it's the L7 is what it's called. And dressed in kind of like uh, jungle fatigues as well. He's wearing this kind of green Clothes as he's wandering around He's got this shaggy hair and he's got this stubble on him, and he very much looks more like what I would argue an actual Vietnam veteran probably looked like in around about nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty four than say Schwarzenegger or Stallone probably did. Um, So I think that there's something very interesting there in what kind of Cameron's doing, um, which is perhaps more nuanced than the other stuff than the other films.
3: There's something, Angie, you said there as well about the film living in kind of people's ideas. In the same way that Star Wars, you know, you, you imagine these kind of multiple kind of uh, storylines from the past that they mention, you know, when they mention the Clone Wars and they mention different things, people's imaginations are free. There was something incredibly kind of, I suppose, you know, if you weren't a fan of science fiction, which was, was on the fringes, you know, even in the 80s, it wasn't in popular fiction at all. The kind of ideas of ca- causality loops were things, hard science fiction and hard science fiction ideas given over into a major budget, well, whatever, but a mainstream movie like The Terminator was something you didn't see. Uh, so the idea of causality loops for young kids, I remember just like that kind of baking my noodle. And, you know, you know, and just like going on and like how that has been something that really set people's imaginations alight. And I remember when they were making The Terminator, The Sarah Croner Chronicles, I, I've, I've consumed it all. Uh, one of the producers kind of made a really good point. He goes... There has to be a timeline where, spoiler alert, there has to be a timeline where there's a different John Connor to send back an original Kyle Reese. So Carl wasn't always John Connor's father. It had to be a beginning of the law causality loop in order for it to, to be in, in, initiated. So, you know, essentially that, you know, so there's, there's another John Connor who probably wasn't a punk kid and maybe was some kind of like, I don't know, army brat, like stoic, you know, like Spartan warrior who grew he up. erased himself from existence. Yeah. Like, sir, So yes, there's sir. two, there's alternate timelines yeah. and he says, it, you know, is this the future? I don't know. It's a possible one. It's a possible one. So that kind of idea of like multiple timelines, multiverses, these are things that are made... Not accessible, but given over a huge kind of hard science fiction idea into an action movie, whereas majority of action movies from that period were just brainless, mindless, you know, straightforward. Even Predator is a great film and all, but it's ridiculous. Like you know what I mean? It's it's stupid idea. (laughs) It's it's the idea idea of diagrams with straws. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's like you know, who put this together? You know, but uh, I don't know that that idea of time travel, causality loops, and uh, yeah, is something that really sets the the mind alight. I think.
2: Uh, yeah I was gonna say uh it's not just the fact that the film aims for meaning that makes it a classic in my view. I just think it's it's just so immaculately put together um so they for the first about twenty minutes or something as Emmett didn't find out for a long time um <laughs> it's it's so it's so efficient i it's almost like a silent movie it's pure cinema um So it sets up the story and you get the introduction of these like newcomers and strangers and you don't, you're fed things at exactly the right pace, almost with no dialogue. Like Schwarzenegger had something like 15 lines or something.
0: 17, I think, yeah.
2: Mm. And yeah, they don't actually start explaining things for a while. And you see. You see Schwarzenegger arrive, he's naked, and then he gets clothes, and then he gets weapons, and then he tears out a page of the phone book. And the, the murders of Sarah Connor, the, the previous Sarah Connors, are so brutal. Yeah. And yeah, even, shocking, yeah. Hmm, shocking, and even more so, the first one is a quintessential ma'am. So it's like watching like your mum's friend being killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's it's just horrific. Like, um and then the attention to detail and so much of the dialogue. like So with the foreshadowing, like so when the kid puts the scoop of ice cream into Sarah Connor's apron when she's a, a waitress and her colleague says, um, in, a hundred, in 10 years it's not going to make a difference. And then later the, the voice mail, the answering machine says, ah, fool you, you're talking to a machine. And then the machines need love, too, yeah, the machines need love too, and
1: that then... I thought that was gonna be his secret weakness <laughs> 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 How they finally defeat him Have How you they... not seen
0: dark fate no
1: <laughs> they, they hold a
2: rose in front of him <laughs>
0: um, have to choose yeah, between yeah. the gun or the roses
2: um yeah, oh well done um and then like the the little kind of clever things like showing. Um, the machines drilling into the ground and the uh, um, JCBs and stuff like that and
0: Even the we're... climax of the foundry for example, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, the foundry and the the truck being run over by the car, the toy truck being run over by a car, um, just constant. And the fuck
0: crushing all the other stuff and yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, just constant reminders of um, the fragility of flesh and blood humans against a machine and and our mortality a friend of mine is going a tiny bit off topic but i'm going somewhere with this uh, a friend of mine who's brazilian years ago she um nearly drowned she got caught in a current and washed out to sea and a helicopter came and like, scooped her up in a net and dropped her back onto the beach um, oh, said, it, yeah and she was like a teenager at the time and she said that it was a reminder that as uh, that we're like humans in the face of when confronted with something bigger, like physically bigger, like the sea. Um, We're just like insects. We've no great physical power. And the Terminator movie works so well as a kind of a a scary, compelling horror action sci-fi, because it constantly reminds us of the frailty of us as humans, even in the scenes where Schwarzenegger is not... Punching through things and driving cars through things and stuff—it's, um, it's—it's it's just nothing, no stone left unturned. And I just think that, especially watching it, uh, now like only last week, uh, having watched decades of like competing action movies since, um, it's just masterfully put together and in ways that, yeah, films with literally a hundred times the budget can't compete with. so yeah, I think it I think it warrants its its place in the two fifty.
3: There's no gaffes either in it. Mm. You know, like kind of um other films, like even Terminator 3, I remember watching there's a bit where she's running in heels and then second like another shot then she's running in flats and you're like, that's a really bad kind of sign when there's those kind of like movie making gaffs. Yeah. But they had no yeah. budget. And there's like there's a bit where everyone's like, oh there's a, there's a gaff in it where Arnold Schwarzenegger's hair basically goes oh, from floppy cut kind cut. of thing yeah. gets cut but it's yeah. not actually you, you figured out he's been set on fire so yeah, actually re- that's where his eyebrows disappear his, yeah, his eyebrows, eyebrows disappear. disappear and then his hair is burnt short and you're like oh yeah. yeah so there's nothing in it they even talk about having to go back and get pickups where they went back and just like spray painted the door black so it was matched on a thing you know Gail and heard we used our apartment and stuff so like everything was meticulously kind of uh, beat it out beforehand because they didn't have the money to go back and do reshoots, they and any reshoots there was were like you know incredibly uh, uh, you know there wasn't that much money, but they learned that from Roger Corman. That was the thing because they all thought they all learned under him that you know you need to have extra money in the budget for any kind of minor reshoots. But uh, yeah, there's not a it doesn't miss a beat in the whole thing. Can I mention one thing? And I don't know if the rest of you guys uh, cop cop this or not cop it, but notice this. Ever since I was younger, when I watched this film, one of the things that always struck me was. They, he says, you know, I'm, you know, Kyle recently gives it a, the message. He goes, I've been sent through time for you, and I've loved you all my life. And you know, there is a weird kind of like uh, the police, you know, song. Every step you take, you know, at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> you think Michael is a buyer or being. I, 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 was talking. I, 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 I thought it was a buyer. Ameri- don't American don't listen to Darren. Of, of the, oh, oh. Anyway, yeah, never trust me. Never yeah, trust yeah, me. <laughs> I thought it was, was being. Of being, yeah. But anyway, okay, He, he's stalking her. So you don't actually know until they get to the club and tech more if he's the good guy. You know mm. because he is like that. He steals clothes from a homeless dude. He's being chased by the police. You know, and you you know where on is uh, is is a bad guy because he's killed all the other Sarah Connors. But you really are you're not aware of his motives. Anyway, the main thing I notice is when they get to the, the motel, they fall asleep, and there's a flashback, and it's it's Michael Bean's dream of the future. Where and there's a there's a recurring theme of people dying in fire. He dies in fire, like at the beginning in the car, but then he obviously doesn't. Then there's an attack on the base by an old style Terminator, and there's a fire, and he's caught again with the picture is burning. She wakes up and she says, "I dreamt of dogs," and without missing a beat, he turns around and goes, "Yeah, we used them to spot the Terminators." So did they, they allude to the kind of idea that the both of them have been communing in the dreamscape. So they've both essentially had the same dream. She's also been dreaming of his nightmarish vision of the future where she's dreamt dogs. So no dogs have been barking. She goes, I heard dogs barking. And he like goes, oh yeah, obviously, because we used them for the terminal. You obviously shared the same dream as me. Did anybody else oh. pick up on that or is that just me? No, am, I, like- am I reading, am I giving this far too much depth? Because <laughs> i asked to talk about one of my in a, that or, <laughs> on a podcast. In that, and I'm, I'm just basically that, going, it deserves its 250 spot. <laughs> in that <laughs> right. or kind of
0: Kyle Reese is one of those guys where everything is about him. Yeah, you know, yeah, She could have yeah, said, yeah. She oh, said yeah. I dreamt out fire trucks. It's like, yes, I saw a fire truck on fire once as the Terminator murdered my best friend.
2: Um, <laughs> enough with the Terminators, <laughs> Reese. God, do you know anything else? Yeah. Come on. Have Take a i seen a, a movie. Yeah. Yeah, but actually, I haven't thought of that, but that's, that's a theory. Um, if so, if so, it was an influence on Wayne's World 2, in which Wayne and the legendary groupie had the same dream as well.
0: See, <laughs> See it all ties back together. Hidden levels, depths. <laughs> and then
3: again, I don't all know. right.
0: I thought that we spent like 20 minutes picking on Andrew's answer to that question. So next, next question then, Joe, would it be on your own personal 250? So Um, as our Schwarzenegger expert, how does this rank for you?
2: Oh, as a resident Schwarzenologist. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Schwarzen major, as it were. Um, Schwarzen
2: major. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's like... Oh, I have a prop. (laughs) <laughs> um,
1: again i actually read yeah, this it is this an, au- oh, this is an audio it? medium this is an audio well, I read medium the
2: terminator um, yeah. <laughs> this is totally recall that my unbelievably true life story um
1: <laughs> it's it's so amazing it has like a story uh, about i was in red Sonia with bridget nielsen and we had an affair and she wanted to be in a relationship with me but i turned it down but it was okay because she got with sylvester sloan <laughs> And I'm very happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> like writing a biography about like, I was with Bridget Nielsen first and I was her first choice, but I'm really gracious about there's it. A bang
3: of, <laughs> um, there's a bang of Trump off Schwarzenegger and any kind of like, you know, it is, he is one of those, it's all about him kind of like, he constantly he's talking, they're asking for movie tidbits about the Terminator and it's all about kind of like, <laughs> at the time people, you know, I didn't think of you good fact you. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> they wanted me to play hero, you know, and you're like, what? <laughs> nobody cares about this. <laughs> Get to the film. <laughs> My agents told me not to do it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's but here's, it's astonishing. Like yeah,
1: the the conflict they had between like I need to be heroic. Yeah, right? like, like, like man, yeah, this like this is
3: not the great uh, story you think it is. You know, like and the, the
1: the the extent to which it probably shapes the kind of movie that Terminator Two was. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean. I mean
2: yeah, I wish they had uh, cast uh, Michael Bean as the T1000 in Terminator Two,
3: and that was that's an no
2: joke. I do wish that.
3: That was in an early draft. Oh really? Uh, so the T1000 was kind of because Michael Bean is in the sequel in the extended edition of T2, which is great, and is in a dream sequence where he comes through in the mental asylum. But actually, originally it was, the T1000 was supposed to be Michael Bean and that was going all along up until like 89 or 90 or something. And then the studio, he wasn't a big enough star at the time, and and he was like, he's in every film. I don't know. There was something happening.
2: As opposed to megastar Michael Patrick...
0: Yeah, oh, robert yeah Patrick. i was about to say i was about to say i'm kind of imagining the meeting where the, like the executive says what about that robert patrick
4: oh, he's robert so hot right patrick. now Sorry. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> i think it was the idea they thought it'd be too confusing because he was gonna no uh-huh. we're gonna flip it like that was the whole idea of t2 they were yeah. literally gonna flip flip the script yo uh <laughs> on on the original but they just thought it'd be too clever too smarty or something i don't know and there was executives obviously were just like you know they couldn't see it
2: mm. <laughs> um speaking um, speaking of that schwarzenegger book Totally recall my unbelievably true like story.
3: <laughs> um, he's... This this podcast is going to be four people. Just going. To... <laughs> <laughs> when we say when we
0: say when we say Joe is our Schwarzenegger expert, we mean he does the best impersonation of the set. Um, that Every was our impersonation criteria.
3: Impersonation is great. It's, you Briden. know the trip yeah. the trip with uh, the two lads when they just tried to yeah, Brian and and Kugan. Yeah, just all of us doing our best Schwarzenegger.
2: Yeah, you see, there's there's pretty much two Schwarzenegger voices. There's there's the cam one why didn't you call me in four years? And then there's like, and um, there, there's a there's a really nice bit in the in the book where I think it's such a fun read. This chapter, and he talks about he's flying to Cannes with um, Total Recall, and on the flight he was like, "Yeah, I was boarding the flight, and uh, James Cameron gave me the script of Terminator 2. So he. He read this script for Terminator 2 on the flight to the world premiere of Total Recall in Cannes, and that has to be, like, the apex of his career, that flight, because he was on his way to unveil one of his best films, arguably his best film, Total Recall, and then, like, he was going to go straight from that into, like, the best script he had been offered in his career so far, so... Yeah, it's, it's, it, his career is, it's a super weird career going from like a bodybuilder to um, construction magnate, to landlord, to <laughs> like unlikely biggest movie star in the world, to governor. And so it's had a lot of peaks and troughs. Uh, so it's really, it's a really fun moment to, to read the apexes and then like the, if you do read the book, the um, last action hero chapter is also well worth reading because it's one of the only introspective ones where you have to like stare failure in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> and his, yeah. his wife has to tell him um, that no, the person in the local shop where you just bought the paper doesn't care about the opening weekend figures for your last movie. <laughs> we're so self-conscious about it doing badly.
3: You should say as well, just uh, obviously it's a podcast about Terminator, Linda Hamilton, um, you know, is oh my a huge part of oh the film. we were almost, I just noticed we'd almost... Uh, no, no, yeah,
1: we're, we're definitely, def, definitely. We, 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 we. I, I sense that we've entered this. Part no, well, we, so, we,
3: okay,
2: but, okay. But well, very, basically. very
0: quickly then. Okay, uh, Joe, your own personal 250, your own favorite movies, your own favorite Schwarzenegger movies. Where does this rank?
2: Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Yes, uh, <laughs> it would be uh, like upper level Schwarzenegger. Uh, one of these days, I might do a list, um, but it'd be one of the better Schwarzenegger films, and it would be in my personal 250. Yeah.
0: And Andrew yourself?
1: Yeah, no. It, it, um, Strictly pro forma. It, yeah, I mean, because because I'm such a fan of 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 this kind of movie, um, and I'm 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 a big Verhoeven fan. Um, I'm not a big I'm not a big Cameron fan. Like I I prefer I prefer Alien to Aliens, but um, but I do I do I do like this quite a bit. Um, so yeah, it, it would it would. Um again, again, like with the first question, I'm kind of a little bit on the fence, but I I, I, um, I do like a lot. So um, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes, I would. And I think
0: I and just skipped Emmett there. So Emmet yourself, is it on your own personal 250? Is it like your own 250 favorite movies ever?
1: Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Up, yeah. up in the upper echelons. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a top 10 of films that kind of fluctuating <laughs> or moving thing but um, yeah yeah, definitely absolutely recurring motif on the
0: 250 is like we don't really care about this Um, (laughs)
3: yeah 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 (laughs) I don't know yeah I'm just I don't I kind of have a few like yeah I watch terrible films though Um, (laughs) like I I was just thinking they were like Schwarzenegger's like top five it was like the sixth day remember that one you know (laughs) he clones himself and he has a great line in it where he drops like he chops a guy's thumb off to get through a door and he drops it and the way they constructed scripts in his later career so they have one liners like, like from Terminator with the great one, like, I'll be back. But he drops the tomb on the ground and he looks at a secretary and he goes, I'm all times today. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's the joke. <laughs> it's like somebody got paid immense amounts of money to construct a gag for him so he could say that. You, anyway, you say uh, that as if that isn't the
0: best career, ever I, you know, have
3: listen, you, uh, yeah, man, I, like... yeah, I like the, the, the worst, the, the worst, uh, movies sometimes are better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do know. Um,
2: yeah, I I, and I, then, I like the kind of the the really embarrassing ones or like the transcendent amazing ones. Um, there's the there's the kind of middly ones like Eraser, which are like yeah yeah they're fine, yeah, they're efficient enough, like they're fine. Yeah. Or that that comeback one with that Korean director that I had high hopes for, and it turned out to be eh. All,
0: the last stand, isn't it? No? Yeah, the last stand. Okay, yeah. yeah, last stand. Like um, uh,
3: yeah. Escape Plans is actually. De- decently schlocky, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The first one, you know, it's like, the two in a minute, and I don't know, yeah, I just really liked it. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> ridiculous, like film.
2: <laughs> the Schwarzenegger films are like pizza, and that like, the worst ones are still pretty good, like, it's still pizza. Yeah, yeah
3: except yeah. for the last action here, that was, just unremittingly crap huh. <laughs> you know, I, know. I would actually I've defend it. Oh, for... i just seen all your yeah. this is a podcast, <laughs> yeah, I right. see all your faces and I've like, seen a, a sharp intake of breath from everybody <laughs> 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 okay who wants to help yeah, no, first Betsy, yeah. you know? it, it, <laughs> it, no you,
4: you
1: you are you. you it, this it's not a where... controversial opinion To, yeah. to, 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 to <laughs> don't worry it's just that you've happened Run into the three people who like that movie. I, <laughs> I, love, I love that Emmett's going
0: to get his version of everybody explaining to Andrew why the Terminator is a great film here. Apparently, uh,
4: Sorry, I didn't notice
3: actually after you said that, Darren I was like, "Did we all kind of just gang up on Andrew and go what do you mean, Andrew?
4: Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> take your opinion and uh, but yeah, but
0: <laughs> and shove it.'
3: Um, no, I'm but uh, okay, and then. Joking, <laughs>
0: Final, final, <laughs> final round of questions then before we jump into the spoiler zone, very quickly, and I suspect we know the answer to this. Joe, if listeners have not seen the Terminator, should they pause the podcast, watch it, and join us on the other side of the spoiler zone?
2: Uh, yeah if you didn't get a chance to see it go back in time to when you should have seen it and fix oh, history
3: <laughs> yeah, and Emmett what about yourself, what Sorry, about yourself? I, forgot we, I was like we, we went into the spoiler zone <laughs> we like, were <laughs> <right, laughs> time, I forgot the structure It is completely I was just like are we there yet
2: didn't No, okay. Emmett time is, time is not linear we just see it that way
3: Absolutely, yeah. we are in our own causality loop this is a fever dream <laughs> <laughs> where we're being chased by our own demons of podcasts. It's absolutely
1: uh, fine. Sometimes the, it matters more than others. I think most people know what this is about. Like people yes, know what Back to the Future is yeah, about exactly. as well. I, yeah, know, like, yeah. I
3: watched, I watched the, one of the documentaries on the, on the DVD, and like Cameron's been really coy about the plot. And even I, in 2020, was like, everyone knows the story, James. And then I was like, oh, of course, yeah. it hasn't come out in the cinema yet. Like, so he's obviously being like, I don't want to give away the big reveal. But yeah, Rosebud is a Terminator. <laughs> and, and yeah, if you haven't, or if we haven't already absolutely wrecked this film for you, turn off this podcast now and go watch it. Or, I don't know, the rest of this podcast could be... <laughs> <laughs> Try
0: and piece it together.
3: Um, <laughs> piece it together from, you know, the back of Sugar packets, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, Andrew, yeah. what about yourself?
1: Yeah, maybe all we've told you up to this point is a lie. Like, <laughs> and, you know, you, the only way to find out is watching the movie. So you know, no, I'd I'd one hundred percent recommend um, that people watch it. Be careful about bootlegs. Like, um, note note on Google, like how long the movie is. Watch if 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 you're watching it on a on a secondhand VHS. Just 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 check. <laughs> make sure it starts at the right point. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Want to make yeah, sure
0: yeah, it has yeah, yeah. the Orion um,
1: logo at the start. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, no, I'd one 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 hundred percent
4: recommend it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, then. With that in mind, then come with us to the spoiler zone.
3: I should say we're in spoiler zone now, but my parents didn't actually let me watch 18 films when I was younger. And I was actually I was I was more kind of a what's it? self-editing I was actually quite good about it, but uh, I was kind of, I was almost bullied into watching this movie because it was like, my cousin was like, yeah, watch it. it Peer (laughs) pressure. You know, like, we'll give you that for free, and then after that, we'll give you Aliens, you know? (laughs)
4: Mainlining
3: James Cameron. Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: yeah.
1: Well, I... (laughs) um, I'm going to do a terrible thing. Um, uh, Los spoilers. Están legando. What the hell was that? There are spoilers coming.
4: Okay,
0: that was that was not the not the deep cut I expected you to take, but I do appreciate it. Not going for the obvious one.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well done. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't get that.
0: I, I... <laughs> All right then. So, Emmett, what is the
1: no, you 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 got it more than anyone, Joe, because you were Yeah, like, what what's what is, what's, the that what's the kid saying? What's You you, oh, you yeah. had your line. Yeah. You actually hit your mark. Um but, totally on
3: um, So, Emmett, what is the terminator about for you? Um Yeah, it's, it's like existential dread, you know what I mean? It it's it's is that that that's just that's my really arsy kind of way of saying it. No, it's just it's a really brilliant film that kind of tapped into the Cold War kid that I was, you know, in the 80s and terrified of uh, nuclear war. And it was the most kind of nightmarish kind of vision of what that would be. I, I didn't watch Threads until, you know, I was much older. Threads scared the arse life out of me even when I was in my 20s. But it was the, it was the most kind of Real representation of what the nightmarish nuclear war would look like. Film versions of nuclear war, people always seemed to survive them. There was like blue skies, but I'd never seen anything that kind of depicted that kind of idea of nuclear winter And comic books that I was reading, really. I read this around the same time as a comic book from the, the late 80s, early 90s called The Last American. And it was written by John Wagner who also wrote Judge Dredd, uh, who created Judge Dredd and I was a big 2000 AD fan so those nightmarish visions they usually kind of only happen in English you know, comics or whatever like uh, that and The Last American and Terminator, I kind of was consuming them all at the same time so fed into that fear that I had. The whole kind of you know, nightmare, horror movie. I didn't really cop on it was a horror movie till I showed it to someone in my 20s and they were like, why are you showing me this? This is awful. And I was like, oh yeah, it is nasty. It's actually quite, you know, it just it is, it's a kind of nasty film that like a dirty, greasy kind of like, you know, it's a nasty film. You know what I mean? In In lots of ways, like the way people are killed kind of, Summarily, in a way that, you know, T2 wasn't, you know, it was very violent, T2 was an R-rated, but it's a, it's a, it's a really weird kind of film. I didn't really know what it was when I was watching as a kid, but I knew it scared the life out of me. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it just tapped into that dread that I had as a child, that the, that the, war, that the, the world was going to end in half an hour and we'll get the four minute warning. And there was cool robots in it and uh time travel. And that's something that, well, actually, the big thing, Time Travel is something that comes into, like, stuff that I write myself a lot, like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I think this film had a greater uh, subconscious uh, effect on me than I would, on my work, actually, than I'd admit.
0: I do like that we kind of connected that thread there, the on, the unexpected influence of the Terminator on like Irish theatre in twenty twenty. Well, um, yeah. Well, actually, it was actually
3: no, not that this isn't one of these things we're saying like about. But uh, there is a there is a kind of time loop thing in the play version of Dublin School that, uh, and uh, it was in the film script as well, and the producers are just like. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> you, know, you know what is what is yes. this um, <laughs> you had your
0: own Robert Patrick moment um, yeah
3: it was kind of it was more of a kind of thing I, I think it was probably again something I'd read in a science fiction short story or something like that where uh you know they woke up on a couch or something and, and you know I don't know I can't remember what it was that was in it but it was like they're like yeah we'll give you another five million and maybe we can make that version <laughs> get, that. We'll get that get that we in there Excuse um just in seconds. terms
0: of yeah. sorry yeah sorry
3: Sorry, guys, someone somebody knocked on my door. Sorry.
2: Were they like Sarah Connor? And you're like, no, no, she's two doors down.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmett, QAnn. <laughs> There's only one in this block. It's not me.
2: <laughs> That's that like guy across the road who owes me money. You know.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I, I always think someone's in my house, and then it's that iguana. <laughs> you're going to make a, you're gonna make a belt out of they... him. Um, yeah, I hope Pugsley was okay. I actually was thinking that again. I forgot there was a lizard in it. It
3: was like, like Ripley's cat. You know, you're like, what happened to the cat? You know what I mean? Like, actually, Posey I don't mind got- that
0: Sarah Connor's mother got brutally murdered off screen, but as long as the iguana's okay, it's all good.
3: Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I was
2: going to say that there's there's hope in this movie as well. Um, one of the things that struck me when I saw it, when I rewatched it as a teenager, um, is. You know, as a teenager you don't know how your life's going to turn out or whether you're going to be important or unimportant or whatever right and um it was quite a powerful message that sarah connor was this how old was she 29 or sorry 19
0: supposed to be 19 yeah. played by 26 or 27 year old linda hamilton
2: yeah so she's this like 19 year old waitress in a terrible diner and she wasn't good at her job and uh her boyfriend like Stutter up and oh, that's voiced by Cameron. James Cameron. <laughs> yes, <Yep. laughs> James Cameron uh, playing the jerk partner, and then but he uh, has a nice car. Yeah, has, but he has a Porsche. That's, that's the most eighties line <laughs> in the movie. So what if he has a Porsche? And um, yeah, they ended up There a couple in real life after the movie, but anyway, um, you know, she thinks her life's going nowhere. What does it matter? She's she, she thinks of herself as insignificant. Uh having no idea what the future holds and how she is unbeknownst to her, one of the most important people in history and that's a that I've seen a lot this past year, like in twenty twenty I've seen a lot of uh yeah, we don't know when things will improve, but things can improve, and we don't know the future and that kind of thing so there is there is positive messages there and there were moments in it that resonated to a 2020 audience um, like when sarah connor says something like uh when will it end or we don't know like where is there an is there never an end to this or something like that um i do think there is there's is life after coronavirus but we just don't know when it is like i read it in articles the vaccine could be wow. 10 years and so we just have to because it's just like tough, we just have to get used to it. Or Russia say that there could be a vaccine like before the end of the year. Um, we know that they'll have the vaccine fast because they're rushed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Hey-o! laughs> uh,
0: what I will say, actually, what's what's kind of interesting about what both what uh, Emmett and, and kind of Joe said there about the film, because we had this discussion earlier about is this a horror film? And it most definitely is. And like, you can see that in terms of how Cameron shoots it and how Cameron presents it. And like things like, for example, the attack, particularly on uh, Sarah's home in the middle of the night where, you know, her roommate and her partner, Matt, have just had sex and so on. Obviously, they're going to get brutally, brutally murdered because obviously this is a horror movie and it's shot like a slasher movie. He comes in quietly through the door. He kind of punches at the pillow. There's a moment where he throws the boyfriend through and she kind of screams. But throughout, there's this sense of kind of like it is very much structured as a horror movie. And again, one of the famous stories is often told about it is that uh, O.J. Simpson was literally in the running for the part of the Terminator. But going uh, so to the,
1: be this unstoppable <clears throat> killer yeah
0: and the joke with the no joke,
1: remorse yeah the, um, the
0: punchline is that Cameron didn't believe him as a remorseless killing machine uh, that's the joke answer but the actual <laughs> answer is that apparently Cameron said that he also didn't want a movie that was about a white woman being chased through Los Angeles by a black man in 1984 because he completely understood what that would look like um, so he wanted to avoid that but it's very much it's a movie about a woman being chased through the night by an unstoppable killing machine and again you have these sequences where like like, Schwarzenegger keeps getting up, like Mike Myers, like Jason Voorhees, where he get, he gets knocked down in a way that should kill him. And then his hand twitches or his eyes open or he literally sits up. And it doesn't matter whether you burn his skin off or what, whatever. He will just keep coming. But what I think
2: is... He even crawls when yeah. he's, he's only a torso.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what I think is, is particularly interesting, though, is that, like, it isn't just an example of that movie, and that arguably it's the only slasher movie on the 250. I think Cameron is actually doing something very interesting that gets to what Joe was saying there, which is this idea that... Throughout um sort of so throughout like slasher movies, there's this kind of purient attitude, the final girl, the idea that, you know, and again, this is probably a nice segue to talk about Sarah Connor as a character and the Hamilton as an actress, but the idea that, you know, in a slasher movie, it's inherently misogynistic. It's about a man chasing a woman, he has a knife, the stab penetration, the victimization, the final girl, and the kind of shaming of kind of like sexual promiscuity, or tr- the traditional ingredients of a slasher movie. What Cameron does in The Terminator is fascinating, is because he basically inverts that so at the climax of the film, because <laughs> we're we're very mature here, but you have um, a sequence yeah, where Reese... Where I, I Reece, think I know
1: where you're going.
0: Yeah, where Reese and Connor, have, where Reese and Sarah have sex. And in any horror movie, that means that the character is going to get killed. I mean, that's uh, literally discussed in Scream. What's interesting about this is that... But it would be it's, the
1: woman who, who's, yeah, who's, it's the woman who's yeah, yeah, it's the
0: woman who's punished for having sex. Here, the character yeah. becomes expendable after having sex is the man. And what's interesting is, and again, one of the criticisms that's been made of The Terminator, and maybe there's something to it, and particularly in the context of, say, Cameron's emphasis on, say, the nuclear family in Aliens, and kind of the idea of Ripley like creating a nuclear family for herself in Aliens, and kind of a heteronormative kind of ideal of a family. There's maybe some criticisms about, say, Cameron's heteronormativity and stuff like that, and kind of his emphasis on the idea of Sarah Connor as a womb. And I think that's actually brought up in Dark Fate. Linda Hamilton actually says, you know, in The Terminator, I was important because I was womb not because i was important as a person but because i was going to give birth to a man and the man was going to be important and that's a valid Uh, criticism hold on hold on let me let me finish andrew let me me finish andrew please let me finish what i think is because what happens is we tend to jump in and get distracted i just want to get to the end of this point what's interesting at the end of terminator allowing for that is that what you have is you have a slasher movie where the sexual activity or the sexual agency of the female character is actually presented as a positive Where the fact that Sarah Connor is a woman who is sexually active and who has sex with a man is not something that diminishes her or is treated as something that makes her less or makes her a fair game victim. Instead, it's something that is ultimately empowering. Because it's that sex that saves the world in a very literal sense. Because John Connor, we don't even see John Connor here. John Connor doesn't exist as far as the Terminator is concerned. So I find something kind of interesting in what Cameron does with the structures of the Slasher movie in the context of the Terminator. Sorry, Andrew, I cut you off.
1: But Kyle Reese is being punished for losing his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it, it's kind of like they've inverted the, uh, the, the, trope. Yeah. Um, they did, the trope. It's something yeah.
3: you said there about Dark Fate. They do talk about that. But I, I felt... You know they're 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 deconstructing the original one in Dark Fate and 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 addressing that kind of criticism about Sarah Connor as a character simply to be a mother to give birth to the future hero. Yeah. But actually, Cameron did it in T two anyway. Yeah. He went and he turned her not just into this passive kind of person character who's running away from the Terminator. Yeah. He turns her again into the Reese kind of character of this coiled spring, this you know mm. wiry, uh, muscular. Uh, a person who takes control of their life and takes control of, you know, their destiny and then becomes a legendary, a legendary figure to future fighters. In her own right. Yeah. In her own right. And they basically all, and in all the subsequent kind of Terminator sequels and spin-offs, she then becomes the, the, the mother of the resistance. But not only the mother of the resistance, but the person who actually figures out ways of killing them in different ways. There's something I was watching as well. You were saying about the thing of being chased. If you get caught in this film by the Terminator, you're dead. So in all of the other subsequent sequels, there's a lot of human beings interacting with uh, Terminators. But when they do, there's this kind of trope where the Terminator, when it gets his hand on a human or a main character, will throw them away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if literally all it would have to do is grab you and snap your neck you know what I mean and it's because I've watched all of them recently I don't know why even before I knew I was doing this but it's like in the first one it's like yeah if he catches it it's game over the film ends you know what I mean but like it's something that all the rest of the filmmakers that made the sequels just didn't get their head around that the Terminator is someone who has superhuman strength and if he gets it you're dead that's it so you know he never does and even at the end of the, the spoiler alert uh, in, in the press and so forth and the hand and is reaching out you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it is worth noting actually on that just because you mentioned that the introduction where he like guts brian thompson with his own hands like where he just like reaches into brian thompson mm. and rips out his
3: heart there's so, a great uh, film i was reading recently called uh it's um it's about 80s film and it said something that the way kind of sense cent- film censorship had gone in america and that puritanical um approach to sex on screen it was easier to make a movie uh, where you could have the body count be as high as this was, then it would be to have them film with uh, sex. So the sex is almost like it's off screen. You don't know? like there is you don't really see anything. But you know it would have been easier to get an R-rated film like this over the line with people punching their hands through than to have kind of more sex in it. You know, this is like bizarre kind of situation that existed yeah, in American. Yeah, in the 80s. That's,
2: that's still kind of the case as well. Like. in... Like, you will never see nudity in a Marvel movie, but you will see vehicles landing on top of people's heads. People get their heads cut off holes
0: holes in the middle of people and things like that and what's interesting in terms of this actually because we did mention kind of the romance thought apparently you met again emmett mentioned earlier on what's different about this and later cameron films is this is very much a collaborative medium um cameron got a couple of notes from the studio when he submitted like his first cut of the film or kind of his plan for the film and the first one was obviously the suggestion that they introduce a robot dog terminator who would keep kyle reese company because the audience might like that it would kind of warm them a little bit to the film that was otherwise seen as being very cold cameron said no no, I um, veto that one.
1: Um, he also well, he, did, he he couldn't veto Alien Three. <laughs> no, no, yeah. he couldn't. but he also (laughs) he got to go wild on that (laughs) it was like like the alien two of of, of (laughs) aliens movies yeah Yeah. Um,
0: but then the second suggestion he got and this was one that he actually did incorporate was to build up the romantic subplot angle and again this is one where Schwarzenegger we mentioned Schwarzenegger being a kind of a similar to Cameron individual where he's very quick to claim credit for anything that went right Schwarzenegger said that he wanted the studio to build advertisements around the love story between Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese and apparently Yeah, and apparently actually this is what's interesting is that like when the movie opened Orion didn't have faith in it, they didn't advertise it, it didn't get huge box office numbers in its opening weekend, but it had really long legs and what was interesting about the really long legs was um, that it was female audiences as well as stereotypical male science fiction audiences. It has been suggested that the actual love story in the film may have contributed to that in some way, shape or form that that was what female audiences kind of responded to uh, with regards to the film, which is interesting.
2: But the it might not have been the love story that yeah. they responded to. Oh, absolutely. It has to like, be
0: gender essentialist. Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, because like Sarah Connor's character goes through like the biggest arc in the film, and it's really satisfying to see. It's, it's really satisfying in fiction in general, when somebody is a completely different character from what they were at the beginning, and it's completely organic and believable. Um, so... That could have been part of it, that like, it was an action film with a compelling female lead. That said, the love story is really good, and we should have seen Titanic coming with Cameron making this movie.
0: Yeah, because it has a similar sort of doomed romantic vibe to it as mm. well. It runs
1: through. Yeah, yeah. And in, in terms of Joe, uh, what, what, what Joe was saying in, in, in terms of the, the kind of arc um, for Sarah Connor, but also the sense of this movie being really hopeful. It's so great how relatable it, it 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 kind of uh sets off with with uh with sarah like the, the the it wouldn't it wouldn't kind of mean as much if you were to come in and kind of like see this really competent kind of kick ass character she she has the like the least the the very not badass <laughs> intro uh for sarah connor who 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 is one of like the most kind of you know iconic kind of uh, uh, female action heroes that there are.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, even the in the way, context the of the film, it cuts from like you, the middle of yeah. the
1: night to the middle of the day where she's riding on a scooter. Mm. Where you've, been, you've been watching yeah. people
0: get brutally murdered in alleyways, being chased by police officers and robbing homeless a, men and sawing off scooter. shotguns. Yeah and, yeah, and
1: she's just... Not a uh, motorbike, against, a scooter. Against yeah. a blue
0: backdrop, against a blue sky backdrop, wearing a pink waitress uniform. She's driving her scooter, um, which again, it's a wonderful kind of sharp contrast. It's incredible. It's really, really great. Um, and again, it sets up that arc really nicely. And Hamilton is phenomenal here. Hamilton is really, really great here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like, a, like a lot of the cast, I think a lot of the cast have said that they had absolutely no faith in the film when it was being produced. Um, in that I think uh, Bean said when he read the script, he had no idea what it was about. Hamilton said that she wanted to be a quote unquote serious actor, and she was worried about being associated with trash like this. And then you also had uh, Schwarzenegger, who was quite literally said that he only did it for the money. And because after doing Conan the Barbarian, he wanted to do a movie that was set in the modern day so that he
3: wouldn't be typecast. Oh, gosh. Um, like, who even he, thinks... He, he went... You know, he even thinks <laughs> like that. You know what, I mean? what What ego has this man got? my like, gosh. It's just like... He, he thinks I mean, that he this is know what, what the, people are what thinking. Guy,
0: yeah, he doesn't know what the news vendor thinks, whether he can star in, like, contemporary movies, Emmett. I just he want wants the news... People to <laughs> know I can
3: do my... You know? uh, just a quick tip: Carrie Fisher was originally uh, tapped to play uh, oh. um, Sarah Connor. And, oh. Yeah, so oh, she, wow. and she was in the running and it was a thing and she, she turned it down. I think she mentions it in her, in her book, Postcards from the Edge, where she, or the whatever the book was called of the film. Um, yeah, I think she mentions it was one of the biggest mistakes she'd ever made in her life. You know, she was just like, what is this? I have no idea. And she always regretted it, you know.
2: Hmm. Uh, there's interesting parallels with uh, The Rock and Schwarzenegger because... Um The Rock got a start like in Movema as a wrestler first and then he was he was in one of the mummy movies and then he as was the villain. In... Yeah, Scorpion yeah. King, yeah. The Scorpion King was the first proper or sorry, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, also known as The Rundown, which remains his best film, was the first um film major film where The Rock got to wear like actual clothes where he wasn't just like wearing like underpants. Isn't there, a scene.
3: Isn't there a scene where Schwarzenegger is in?
2: Yes, there's a, it's kind of a passing a torch. torch. Yeah. Yes. Kind yeah. So um, the Rock is walking into the club as a debt collector, and Schwarzenegger walks past him, and he says something like, "Have fun." Yeah. And this is on you yeah, now. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy <laughs> is the head. <laughs> um,
4: it's
1: like Doctor Who. yeah 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 yeah. every
0: generation's action star regenerates Uh
2: but but they went each each of those actors went from like uh sword and sandal like exploitation b movies to modern movies like almost at the exact same point in their careers like two of those movies to get them kind of well known now we'll put them in jeans and see if people will still go see him
3: and didn't even do the same kind of he went he did the toot fairy and Kind of like his version of Kindergarten Cop. There was a very much kind of manufactured kind of like career trajectory from the studios or wherever his agents were. It's like, well, this is what Ernie did, is if Ernie has become the archetypal kind of like uh, action hero, you know, career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind
1: of that template because kind of like that, that was all through his own will yeah it, it was, was like like i don't want to just be defined as this so i want to be um i want to work on my comedy chops and i'm going to mix with people who are going to um going to teach me these things my my new movie is me against the brick wall yeah. cost 20 million dollars <laughs> yeah. um uh, no but how but do you sleep the, at night the, andrew the, the, the fact that that was such a strange Kind of a journey for him to take But very kind of intentional And willed uh, by him to, to, to become Like he when, when he became a film star He was like I want to make like a million dollars In a movie and then once he had done that It's like okay I want to be like one of the top Five movie stars in the world and Him describing in his book it Makes it sound so obvious
3: It's funny he was, he did, was like, the other two acted-
1: It's so difficult to be at the bottom because there's so m- m- much kind of competition there. Everyone is kind of milling around at the bottom, but up at the top, it's very rarefied, <laughs> it's much less competition. So you can just be like, once you get there, it's much easier to. Um, which 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 is an incredible kind of way of 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 looking at things and kind of like like maybe accounts for a lot of his uh, success. But I I I remember thinking how 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 astonishing it is that he took that kind of strange journey and that now that's a template. That, like, if you're a Vin Diesel or if you're The Rock or if you're Dave Batista, you will do one of these kind of, like, comedy movies that, that kind of, you know... Four-Quadrant family building, yeah. And back then when Schwarzenegger was trying to do it, other people were, were like, finding that they were trying to do it and failing. Mm,
3: like, so, like, you know,
1: with... Yeah. with um, let's stop her in my mom's
3: shoes and oh god yeah yeah because his Lone tried to do it then after it's funny actually yeah. the, the, the Schwarzenegger there was a version of I Am Legend in the works for 10 years and Schwarzenegger was, was 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 gonna play with Ridley Scott and stuff you know what I mean that's the only one I've ever actually went I would have loved to see it. but also it is that I want co- his
2: Crusades movie as well oh
3: yeah yeah that, that was there's a great book I read years ago called 20 Greatest Science Fiction Films Never Made and it's kind of pre pre-internet, like it's like ninety nine or whatever, like that. And that was one of them, the Crusades movie and uh uh the the Ridley Scott directed I Am Legend. I was gonna say, it must be really we were saying about actors, you know, Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton, they both gave brilliant performances in it. And as you say, they are real actors. They were going, I don't want to be in this kind of schlocky stuff. And they were kind of better than the material essentially, like Linda Hamilton and Bean. And it's really weird because both of their careers kind of took the same trajectory. They made about three or four, five other very big budget kind of movies, but they never propelled into the stratosphere the way Schwarzenegger did. And he's a terrible actor, but somehow he managed to eclipse both of them. Like, he's the only one that came out unscaled and Cameron, obviously. But Cameron almost kind of, you know, willing both of their careers into existence as they went on. Sorry, that's not to take away from either of them as being brilliant actors. I I, I really kind of... I. They're both around, you know what I mean? They're both still making movies. Linda Hamilton just made the Terminator movie. I really want to see Michael they though, do some kind of, yeah. I don't know, big, big film. I know they were going to remake Alien Tree, kind of in the vein of the Superman Returns kind of thing, where they were just going to... Ignore everything afterwards. In- absolutely. Your man that made um, District 9, what's his name? Neil yeah, yeah, so he, he wrote a script and he started putting up sketches. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an artist the same as Cameron. is. should say Cameron sketched all of these models and stuff like that, like for the Terminator film, and he's an incredible artist. So you can't take any oh, of that away from him. Um, there's a
0: fun story there, by the way, actually. Schwarzenegger claims that he has a picture of the T-800 painted by Cameron, which really? is his face. But No, no, but to hear Schwarzenegger tell it, apparently you can peel the, the face off and see that he originally painted it as O.J. Simpson. Oh, well, actually, Mm -hmm. Cameron disputes that, but I would uh, say I would
3: dispute that because originally it was supposed to be Lance Henriksen. Yes. Well, I don't know if it wasn't meant. I don't
0: know if it was meant to be Lance Henriksen, but he was the proof of concept. Proof of concept. Um, Have you you, you heard this story? He came into the building. Yeah, you tell it, Darren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. No. So to to get money and to get the producers to sign up on the Terminator, apparently Cameron decided that he needed a pitch, a particularly memorable pitch that would make a good impression on the executives and make sure that they don't forget what the Terminator is. So he went to his friend, Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen has a role in this film as Vukovic, the member of the LAPD with Paul Winfield's Ed Traxler. And he basically got Lance Henriksen made up with cuts on his face, wearing all leather, to arrive about half an hour early to the meeting Kick in the door to the executive's office, sit down on the couch, say absolutely nothing, stare at the executives for 30 minutes straight while all the chaos went on around him, and then have Cameron arrive and explain that that was his pitch for the movie he wanted to make. <laughs> apparently, apparently, as Henriksen was leaving the office, he overheard the executive saying, I don't care who you
3: hire to play the Terminator. Not that guy. Um,
4: (laughs) It would have been because
3: it would have been a totally different film. They kind of had him as this idea as you know, a regular looking un, un, yeah, yeah. unexceptional man so you know this yeah. thing in Hollywood where they call people character actors which is just another way of saying you know not particularly <laughs> handsome and it's like so he was supposed to be an infiltrator you know kind of man yeah. it was kind of a, a stalker creepy kind of guy who came in and out of crowds and stuff which I suppose went into he did actually cast him as an android then in Aliens and you are actually wondering why would they not make a you know Lance Henriksen is a very handsome man but you know someone is maybe more aesthetically pleasing if they are a robot like uh, Mike <laughs> what's his name uh, Michael Fassbender you know what I mean? So are, there, there is something there, robots that aren't necessarily, yeah, uh, uh, they're more human than, than, than we you think. Uh,
2: there, there's a fan theory that the the reason the Terminator looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger is because it, they were originally made as pleasure droids.
3: And then right. Well, they actually they retrofitted an oh. in Alien 3, uh Terminator Three. There's a deleted scene where there's a drill sergeant working for uh, the American military in uh, on Skynet, and he he turns around and he's uh, he has the voice of he has a voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Oh what no, it was. no, I,
2: I I know the scene you're talking about. It's um, they it's set when they were designing the Terminator robots, and you see him like working out, I think is on a treadmill or something, and he turns around, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're like, oh, wow, Wait, what a perfect prototype, blah, blah, blah. And then when he speaks, he has this really dorky American oh, that's accent. What it he's was, like, hey, yeah. guys. Blah. And um, they say, oh, we've got to do
3: something about that voice. Right, That's that makes more sense. But that again, it's like that solo thing. It's like going back to movies and basically trying to, what was essentially <laughs> a casting Issue. It was a casting reason. There's no other reason for it to exist. Having to basically give every kind of like plot detail some sort of origin story, no matter how mundane or crap. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, explaining essentially a, a, a script error in the Star Wars film, and they made an entire mm-hmm. two hundred million euro billion w- movie to explain a plot point. You know, I know they should have had a run. Yeah,
2: they, they should have had a scene in Solo where. Um, Han- I can't do the young fella's voice, but anyway, Han Solo is like wow oh, I really like waistcoats <laughs> they're so great and <laughs> yeah. it, is, it, is, yeah. it explains why he's like still wearing the same clothes like for 40 years it's like why, like, again, you know, with the that's
3: how he got his gun you know it's like our you know Wolverine origins it's like oh, that's yeah. how he got the jacket you're like oh my god please just stop stop uh, I mean you say
0: that but like The Good, The Bad and The Ugly is the story about how he got that poncho and it worked out pretty well I would argue
3: yeah um. yeah true <laughs> was, maybe I'm just too cynical you know yeah, uh, I, what I, don't, you,
2: what? Yeah, I don't really subscribe to that, uh, filling in every single yeah, potential no, gap. I mean. There's a Patton Oswald joke about, um, oh, yeah, you love Darth Vader. Wouldn't you like to see him as a child? And it's like, hey, you find Angelina Jolie attractive. Aren't you interested in John Voight's groin? Oh, it's <laughs> a, Not necessarily.
3: There's a great. Um, was it,
1: if, that wasn't what Anaconda was about. So <laughs> uh, what's the <laughs> sequel to
3: Anaconda? There was, he, he was in that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a great. There's a great thing we were just talking about The Simpsons. You know, like what an odd thing to say. There is a line in Terminator um, Salvation, uh, the fourth in the Terminator franchise, which just inexplicably kind of has. A different new kind of Terminator that's actually more advanced than the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, even though it's set like five years before he's made. Literally, Common the rapper and John Connor uh, go to Skynet's base, and literally, Common. By the way, I
0: love the idea that Common is just playing Common. He's just survived the nuclear (laughs) apocalypse. He's he's just—he's well, you know,
3: he kind of does do a good Common in a film. Yeah. Yeah, but they get to Skynet, and Common literally has a line of "Here we are." It's Skynet's headquarters. <laughs> that made it through multiple drafts and got to the end. Dude, it's like, yeah, it why would you see. say that? It's <laughs> like, I know where we're going. Dude, we we
1: discussed this. Like, did did Skynet, when Skynet became sentient, did it decide that, like, wait, no, my name is not Skynet. Humans gave me that name. I, I Now I'm known as Cyberdyne. Um, like did it, did, it did, did what what's skynet and what's cyberdyne is the company cyberdyne, cyberdyne is the company
0: yes and the they comp-
1: have skynet as and the they built
0: skynet yes
1: Yes, And Model 101 has several series.
0: No, t, the T-800 is a range, and then Model 101 is a Schwarzenegger version. So the, the only oh, okay. other, t- and by the way, the only other, and again, this is, welcome to the Hardcore Terminator fandom podcast, um, the, <laughs> wow. on, the only other T-800 model you ever see is actually the one that appears in Reese's sort of like dream flashback here. And I love that he's actually played by Arnold's best friend and fellow Mr. Olympia, Franco Columbo. Who is the it's only funny, other person Yeah, he's the only other person to play a version of the Terminator that is the same as Arnold's. And again, this well, gets to what's think
1: Columbo Colombo kinda of short though.
0: I mean it's amazing what you can do with camera angles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Tom Tom Cruise, around, yes. yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, Tom Cruise has had a fantastic career. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. He was like a he was like a one oh two uh, uh yeah, yeah, of, or like of that. the series eight hundred. But what, what was the one model? Was there one 101 one model of the series six hundred like an Arnie with rubber skin? <laughs> yeah. I feel like we get to see that with some of the kind of special effects makeup. There is um, there
3: is a deleted scene in the in the special edition. I don't know if it's on the Blu Ray that I got, but um, there's a deleted scene where the the factory where the Terminator you know, spoiler alert the factory where the Terminator is destroyed at the end is Cyberdyne. So yeah. the guys go in and there's two kind of like you know corporate America kind of guy's like look what I got out of the press and it's like you know we could make some money and they, they cut it out what an they, odd thing to say well, yeah, <laughs> what an odd thing to say setting up again another aspect of the time loop causality loop uh, conundrum whatever you want to call it Um, what is what is the proper expression for but, um, paradox. paradox paradox I knew there was something more science fictiony Star trek in there it's like every second something with so, an X in there paradox yeah. something. Um, yeah so you know would the Terminator have existed if they didn't actually go back in time in the first place. And they kind of touch on that then in T2 with the, uh, you know, they, mm. they, they, they allude Miles with, Dyson. With Miles Dyson. It's a um, huge thing.
0: Very quickly, actually, just in terms of kind of Schwarzenegger, because it's important. What's interesting about this is how much Schwarzenegger does actually deserve credit for what Terminator became. He was originally, um, basically Cameron took a meeting with him for the role of Kyle Reese. Cameron didn't want to cast him in the role of Kyle Reese because he wanted Reese to be a very normal, very average, very kind of rugged guy, as opposed to like this gigantic bodybuilder. But over the over the lunch or over the dinner, um, Cameron had planned to start a fight with Schwarzenegger, which is great, um, so that he could justify not casting him in the role. Um, apparently, when he left the apartment, he told his roommate, do I owe you any money because I'm about to start a fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Um, But apparently over the kind of meal, Schwarzenegger explained, talked about the script talked about Kyle Reese, but he also started talking about the Terminator and what he wanted to do and the yeah. idea that the character should move as little as possible, should say as little as possible. Shouldn't blink. Should, yeah, that sort of stuff. And while while Cameron was watching him, um, he said, actually, this is all really good stuff. And apparently it was like, as soon as they finished, like, with the meal, Cameron started, like, sketching, because he mentioned that he sketches. And, in fact, actually, there are some wonderful sketches of Lance Henriksen as the Terminator. But he started sketching Schwarzenegger's face uh, with its kind of, like, flat planes and kind of angles on it and stuff like that. And he was like, yep, yeah, actually, that is, that is my Terminator, which is, is quite remarkable in terms of kind of physicality.
3: There's something, actually, we didn't touch on that was a huge thing that we kind of take for granted now because it's been reused and reused again. Terminator vision. So yes. the idea of seeing things from the perspective of the Terminator with the red and the computer readouts and so yeah. forth and the targeting system, and apparently Jaderaski's Dune, um, they touch on this in the in the, the the Bible that he made for this. Himself and Mobius had thought of this as an idea. Um, Paul Atreides is is, is fighting this kind of uh, Star Wars esque, you know, lightsaber yeah. sphere thing, and you see. It from the perspective of, uh, you see, it from the perspective of of this, and Jadaraski actually again <laughs> accuses Cameron of ripping off his idea. So there's <laughs> another kind of a thing, thing that thing that possibly he could have plagiarized. But actually, it's it's been you know mocked, not mocked. What's the word? It's it's been turned into like dozens of comedy sketches, and it's been oh, yeah. reused and reused again. You know, including in the Simpsons. Yes, yeah, Simpsons yeah. multiple <laughs> times. Simpsons yeah. have done everything at this stage. Uh, but it's yeah, but it's an R-rated movie, and it's Simpsons is a you know yeah <laughs> it's a family friendly, Warner, friendly cartoon shed, family friendly yeah yeah and the, <laughs> um, the
1: kind I, of catches on as well because you you, you 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 have that kind of um uh, machines view like in 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 robocop like i think uh, what like a year later mm. where um where it's already kind of like in the language of cinema um predator
2: uh, as well And
0: I mean, obviously, Star Trek The Next Generation does it as well with Geordi and with Data as well. It's it's very much part of the like, this is just how you make a science fiction like TV show or film now, which is, again, remarkable. And I'm worth noting in terms of like that, that first person perspective and even things like, say, the use of slow motion, which is Cameron's kind of dream states like it happens throughout. And it's great because he doesn't when the movie goes into slow motion it doesn't always like stop being fast and start being slow it stretches it bends like the characters initially are moving at regular speed and then they slow down and they get slower as like Schwarzenegger is pointing a gun or as Schwarzenegger turns his head and it genuinely is kind of nightmarish it's very very effective in terms of storytelling in terms of atmosphere.
1: Sorry. And there, there there's something kind of there, there, there's a weird kind of um fre- frenetic kind of quality that I that I don't think you find in the T2 um um uh, uh T800 is like he's kind of like an insect kind of like yeah. the, so some sometimes there is there's, there's there's a real kind of um um
0: he hops at points uh, like he literally urgency. hops with his two yeah, legs with yeah, his two yeah. legs he's open kind of
1: hopping about and his his um like he, he seems kind of um like sort of agitated but in a way that he's trying to get to like his quarry. I yeah,
3: guess. he's processing basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When he when he's damaged and stuff like that, you know, when they cross the cars and they look into the car, you think why doesn't he? There's lots of cops there. He could easily take them off, and then the next scene you see he's actually being damaged. So he scurries away. You know when he would like re- recollect himself or whatever, and, and uh, fix himself up and go back in damaged as he is. You know, and uh, very yeah, the
1: interesting thing about it. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the, but the the thing that kind of struck me, I guess, is the the sense in which this isn't a machine. That it, it's 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 a sideboard. Because like I look at it and I and and not only is it is it is it part organic, but it's kind of um, uh, part human, you know, in 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 some way. Like like you kind of you kind of look at it and you think like, well, why not just send back a drone with skin on it? <laughs> just <laughs> you know? like kill a bunch <laughs> of humans,
0: wrap it round like you know, a drone. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's yeah, like a flying chicken of...
3: nugget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hunting With Sarah big big Connor. Canon on it. Did I <laughs> mention his friend was a talking pie?
0: Kerwin, <laughs> <laughs> when you've done it again. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: But the the
1: idea that it's not just kind of its organicness, it's it's kind of humanity that means that it's been able to kind of um, it has to be kind of, um, a human sort of, the, um, sent back to, 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 to change, uh, the past, like that, that, and, and, and that there's a sort of, that, that it requires some sort of humanity almost, um, or maybe I'm trying to attach more. No, but they do say that. They, the... they
3: say you can't send anything back that's dead. He says, well, why, you know, yeah. why didn't you bring back a machine? He says, "But how did you bring back a robot? you know again another kind of plop hole that he said well he goes it's wrapped in organic material it is human essentially
0: so you're wondering could could uh, you know could reese have smuggled a gun if it was
3: small enough somewhere and wrapped in skin you know I mean? wrapped in a in a human yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a baggie a little baggie um. existence what's existence but there is he does act like a human like he gets shot he is a robot but there is an idea that he is something that can be destroyed just not with conventional weapons which is kind of interesting he does get shot through the window in techno and goes down like a human, you know, not a robot that can essentially just take these hits and keep going. He's knocked out for a few moments and then gets up. I don't know if that's just a filmmaking kind of thing, as opposed to some sort of script point that he's trying to make. But it's, it's really effective uh, that he is one of, fallible. Or
0: has, one of the really nice touches in that Technor sequence is the fact that if you watch carefully, um, and again, this speaks to the level of attention of what Cameron was doing. Reese shoots him in the arm because he realizes that if he shoots him anywhere else, he won't miss. So, like when he's leveling the gun at Sarah Connor, Reese shoots him very particularly in the hand to knock off the shot, which is, again, a wonderful little detail. It's very, very fantastically constructed. Um, what's interesting is, you know, the, the famous line, I'll be back. Apparently, Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. wanted to take that out. Yeah, Schwarzenegger had. Dif- to
1: say, I will be back. Yes,
0: Schwarzenegger you? had difficulty with I'll at the time in terms of his accent. And he was worried that it wouldn't go oh. across well. And he was also. I- didn't think a robot would speak with contractions sorry i'm sorry
1: up and at them <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> up and at them um, but
3: yeah. that's actually that's actually quite he is you know dated in star trek or whatever it's like he doesn't use any contractions yeah you know what i mean as well so that yeah. he did have a point so yeah. maybe we've been <laughs> we've been dangerous. ragging on him all this podcast saying he's a, you know an egotistical <laughs> jerk <laughs> cares about but actually maybe there's hidden depths to stress there he was governor after all
0: and and here, here's an, a story that I think Andrew will appreciate actually as well about the nakedness of Schwarzenegger at the start of the film, where apparently Brian Thompson, who has had a career long feud with Schwarzenegger, which seems to be just one directional, in that I think that Schwarzenegger doesn't realize Brian Thompson exists. Who's Brian Thompson? But, yeah, Brian Thompson <laughs> is punk that's number so sorry, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, he's a, who? that's exactly have... <laughs> Schwarzenegger. He's he's punk number one. He's the check out yeah. this guy. Oh, he was or... in
3: X Files and stuff and loaded. Yeah, 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 yeah I know. The he Bounty, bounty Hunter and, and stuff load like things, yeah
0: yeah and he's, he's kind of like after Terminator he kind of bulked up as well he's, he's much more muscly in his later appearances as well not that we're suggesting anything at all about his relationship with Schwarzenegger slash obsession with Schwarzenegger but he talked about how when they were filming that sequence at the Griffith Observatory how Schwarzenegger would wander around naked um, having shaved himself completely like you know completely all you know below the neck Um, but like after Cameron would yell cut an assistant two assistants would run over One with the largest cigar you'd ever seen, and I don't think that's a euphemism, uh, and the other one with a robe. And apparently Schwarzenegger would take the cigar and wave away the robe and just wander around Griffith Observatory smoking a giant cigar, um, looking like this impossible specimen, uh, which I kind of...
3: I thought the cigars well, it, it, were kind of a later thing, so obviously you had it all the way. It's kind of because even that I would think is a kind of affectation, you know, of kind of creating a myth around himself, you know, like and who he is, you know. I don't know the cigar. It's funny though the hair thing. I never actually cop that. It's like you're you're led to believe like Skynet couldn't actually perf- could perfect everything, but couldn't perfect <laughs> hair follicles <Body> <laughs> or a hairy chest. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no. like, I, uh, I
1: imagine I imagine that he always found uh, Mr Universe kind of um, constraining. In terms of having to wear those Speedos. does yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Finally, like, he wanted to do it with still. would a be a lot man. better if I could just take this off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently two um, or three
0: weeks later, Brian Thompson said he got a phone call from Jim Cameron saying that uh, they had to reshoot it. And apparently Schwarzenegger was never as happy as he was reshooting that sequence a dozen times front and back.
1: <laughs> um, it's nice kind of warm air in Los Angeles. If you're going to kind of, you know, wander around in an nip. Did, did they... The funny thing, like um, it's it's probably unusual um, for somebody like as as big a star as Schwarzenegger is that that we just see his penis kind of like flopping around in the first ten minutes. Of course, he wasn't a big star then, but I suppose that goes to 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 show that Europeans have. Have a different, very different sense um, of
0: frequency. exactly. Yeah, um, I yeah. love the idea that that was kind of Cameron's sit down pitch meeting. Like, one of the suggestions that didn't make it into the movie was, Does the Terminator need clothes? Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he wanted to drink beer, was that? Yeah, he he, he the, the uh, one of the ideas that Schwarzenegger had, um, he said, He's he said that the lesson he learned, um, basically, from working with Cameron is that, like, a writer will never remove their, their, um, like, parts of their script um, from the movie because he had a scene where he was passing a fridge. I don't know if the script says the Terminator passes a fridge, (laughs) but anyway, he decided, like, uh, wouldn't it be good if I opened the fridge and... And, and there's like a beer inside and I start drinking the beer and and then I get a buzz out of it and I get a little bit silly and he's like this is real no. this
3: is real Andrew like he actually yeah, he yeah, recorded yeah. saying this in an interview that he said this to Cameron this is in his book I would have loved <laughs> yeah. seeing Cameron's face when this <laughs> happened this conversation Cameron apparently <laughs> he did not like, take it well like Cameron's been known to kind of like go to his house and like take out shotguns and stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like he's pretty pretty intense, dude. Like, can't imagine even back then. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Dur- during no, the one, editing of the Terminator, like one the of the editors movie. suggested
0: they could trim ten minutes off the film. Cameron physically threw him out of the editing booth. Um, and what's amazing is when you read the interviews around, say, that the oral histories of like uh, you know the production of the Terminator, what you get is you get the um, Cameron saying, "Oh." Orion, it was just terrible to work with them. They just had no faith in me. I vowed that I would never work with them again under any circumstances. And then you have the executives of, like, Orion, who are like, we gave him the budget to make the movie he wanted to make. We didn't make any cuts or alterations to the movie we wanted to make. We just refused at the end of the process to bend over and kiss his ass. Um like- but,
1: well, they didn't promote it the way any of them wanted yeah, to promote that, it. Yeah, that's, that's But true. I I saw the trailer. It's 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 pretty good. Like they 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 complain that it's kind of like too much much of an action trailer and that it doesn't get across the kind of um, the the soul of the movie. But I yeah I don't know if I found the the, the romance. I don't, was was, that compelling. I don't
3: think it was there I think it was I remember we it, it was coinciding with a time when cinemas were closing across America exponentially, like, and and it was increasing literally every month. And it was because of video and VHS, which, you know, was the thing then that actually gave it its second life if it didn't if it hadn't been made in the in the era of VHS it wouldn't have been arguably the success that it is it's probably a a minor kind of film in in, in you know in, in the 80s kind of pantheon of films you know but I do know that cinemas were closing down and that had a huge part of it, it was just cinema attendances were, were falling and it was a very hard film to sell you know it wasn't a proper date movie you know but um the, I don't know if we chat about it, like I know we loved, we're going through it, but the music of it as well, just, yes. you know. Oh, yeah. Really, like, I that all of those kind of things like Stranger Things and everybody remembers the 80s now it's kind of become the quintessential kind of 80s soundtrack when you think about it but uh syn- synth- and again it's synt-tastic. very much a b-movie
0: soundtrack yeah which yeah. is amazing oh, like, absolutely. like the the entire movie is pretty much variations on the Terminator theme which I kind of, which again is something that you you know today you'd never get away with but which I kind of adore so like during the love sequence you have this kind of like vague softcore version of the Terminator theme yeah, yeah, yeah. which is amazing
1: oh. yeah like on Coronation Street when when it has a particularly sad episode. Sorry.
3: sorry. No, 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 no. Just the, 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 It's in one of the um, documentaries that, uh, you know, there's never that triumphant kind of thing at the end of what we know is the Terminator uh, theme. You don't actually hear it in the film yeah. until the final credits because Cameron was like, no, no, no. There has to be that, um, whatever that thing they did for uh, the movie, oh, God, the, the one about Dunkirk you know the kind of rising tension continual yeah. kind of. it's just under oh that's the chord the, the yeah what's that called
0: it's yes, Do you know what i'm yes. talking about yeah it's the one that feels like it's constantly building even though yeah, it's, it's just building but like, it never oh, like
3: fugue. The, what's it this is it a fugue? it could be i'm not sure it never it never you you as a listener are waiting for that payoff of kind of like the chorus or the middle eight or whatever of what would be you know this this uh uh, movie theme, but it never comes, and he never allows that heroic theme, Kyle, uh, Michael Bean's heroic theme, to come in, even when he's saving her from Technoar. So the audience never gets a break; they never get a release all the way through the film. Because oh, it's one. the
0: Shepherd Tone is the name of it, by the way. What's it called? Shepherd The Shepherd, Tone. The oh, Shepherd Tone. Tone.
3: Yeah, Shepherd Tone. But uh, it keeps on repeating and never actually hits it. But yeah, I don't know if that's what he was doing in this, but he definitely never hits you know the 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 payoff of the of the finals the final credits you know
0: even though it haunts it throughout which is is remarkable very quickly i think we're kind of we're maybe reaching the end but just very quickly want to mention um we the cliche of well the fifth character in the film is really Los Angeles but I actually really (laughs) I really really like The Terminator as a Los Angeles film because it captures It feels. I think it's been described as the best Walter Hill movie ever made which is somehow both insulting to Walter Hill and to James Cameron but it really captures that sense of like urban decay and collapse you mentioned like Emmett mentioned it as an 80s American movie and a kind of a Reagan era kind of like there's something horrible beneath the surface of society what I love about the movie is that like Los Angeles at night becomes this kind of like city of night. Nightmares, where it is almost impossible to distinguish in a meaningful way between the hellscape from which, you know, Reese escaped where there are literally like skulls lining the street and kind of metal tanks crushing them uh, and where he lands which is just this back
3: alley. It's downtown.
1: And, yeah. It's that's like an the example. worst yeah. part of LA. And Michael Bean yeah. says
3: that. He says they, they actually, because they, you were saying it was going to shoot in Toronto and it would have been a completely different film. It wouldn't, it arguably it wouldn't have been the film that it was. And Michael Bean did say that they were shooting downtown and in 1984, downtown Los Angeles was a place that you did not hang out. He said it's sm- Smelled bad there was rats everywhere they were shooting it. like it wasn't there wasn't trailers really proper trailers or whatever um, so they were they were shooting in it but you know I know it is again a cliche to say you can almost that's what I said earlier it's a nasty film it's a dirt, kind of dirty film you can feel the dirt on it you can smell it almost you know what I mean when you're watching it but it's funny just, this is a side way but I notice there's a great thing in um, Back to the Future when they go back to those, again, Halcyon days of America and Americana, you know, the 50s. The is, 50s, yeah. It all looks brilliant and it looks beautiful and the town square is a proper town square. And then in the 80s, it's a car park. <laughs> and then again in the future, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of place. But it's so funny because now things like Stranger Things they go back to the 80s when actually everything, Escape from New York, you know, Terminator, all of these movies were about the crisis that was happening in all of the major cities in like still possibly, you know, arguably are in Chicago and Detroit. But New York and LA at this particular time were crime-ridden. I'll be back. Holes. Nobody wanted to live there. You didn't go downtown. You all moved out to the suburbs. That's where Sarah Connor is at the very beginning of it. It's green and, you know, Verdant or whatever. Blue skies, Blue yeah. skies, you know, it's brilliant, but downtown is horrible. And actually, the original script there's a guy. There's two. There's two soldiers sent back in the original script, and uh, one of them actually materializes in the fire escape. And uh, yeah, you know, so like, but yeah. I, I body know, horror. But yeah, body horror kind of stuff. But I mean, that's another side note. But yeah, again, yeah, the eighties was terrible in America. It was, you know, they were they're moving into that service economy. It was Reaganomics and it was... I'll be back. And the, yeah, so it's as bad, as you say, downtown Los Angeles is <laughs> as bad in 1984 as possibly in 2024 as, uh, as a nuclear hellscape. Which
0: again, and again, that, that plays into the kind of horror movie aspect of it. And again, it's striking. Like, little things, like little points of comparison, like the kids in, in the future finding rats to eat, as compared with, like, the homeless people kind of digging through the trash and kind of a real sense of, like, we're living through the apocalypse, which is is. Remarkable. Sorry, Anderson.
1: And the the yeah the the not not just not just the present kind of reminding us of the future, but the future reminding us of the present. Like you have those kids watching this flaming television <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. a fire inside of it, and they they
0: let us bask in they, television's they, warm glow.
4: Yeah,
1: exactly. I wonder if they get those letters that say, like, um, it has come to our attention that <laughs> that, uh, that this residence has a, has, has, has a TV
3: TV <laughs> license TV. inspector <laughs> robot. Yeah,
1: TV license <laughs> inspector comes in with like a big ray gun and yeah, or <laughs> with an
3: RTE logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've kind of been sent by the broadcasting. <laughs> exactly. That's who Frank
1: Colombo was.
3: <laughs> um, did they did threads come before this or after? Have you ever seen threads? I have not seen Threads actually. I afterwards. would. I okay. So yeah, if you're listening and answer the guys, watch Threads. Uh, it was a docu drama about Sheffield in the aftermath of a nuclear war. It is. <sighs> I heard about terrifying. it. Terrifying. Yeah. You can watch it in installments on YouTube. Do not watch it uh, now. <laughs> I'd say. Well, <laughs> in I this went, mood? It's a <laughs> top ten, yeah. And after watching this, but it is it is the scariest thing you'll ever watch. It's 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 it's. It's taken from the official files of what would actually happen in Britain in the aftermath of a nuclear war and it goes about 70 years into the future. And there is a scene in the end where there's children trying to be They're uh, trying to learn uh, their times table from an old video cassette that they're basically getting from a generator but it's it's nightmarish like what happens in it it doesn't hold back any of it but um, I'm not sure if it came after this or I don't know maybe around
0: the same time it was 1984 broadcast in September
3: the Americans made a film called War Day which was kind of their version of it or not War Day maybe it was yeah War Day which was or or, uh, I'm not sure It it was a similar kind of theme thing that CBS did and apparently it was the thing that swayed Reagan into uh, movies like this and and Threads and War Day was apparently the thing that swayed Reagan into going, you can't actually win a nuclear war, and uh, nuclear winter is a real possibility. So maybe the film actually was part of a number of kind of nightmares, (laughs) (laughs) nuclear ones that actually led to the de escalation in the arms race. So there you go. So there you go. Terminator saved the world. Yeah. Terminator saved the world. Top 250. (laughs) <laughs> Rover <Real laughs> There you go, Andrew. Take I know that, this isn't Andrew. the point of the podcast, <laughs> and, and, but this
4: and,
1: is... <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 um, I'd like to check that out. I guess do if 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 we're doing recommendations. Uh, um, well, I
0: wanted to actually just circle back very quickly because I think Emmett mentioned earlier that you might want to talk about the other Terminator films very quickly. Oh yes,
1: uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um. So just um, very
0: quickly, because you, you did rewatch. Oh, sorry, sorry, Joe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, to to talk very quickly, um, Terminator 3 is like, okay, bit of a rethread of Terminator 2. Terminator um, Salvation is pretty bad, in my opinion. Um, then the Terminator Genesis, or Genesis, or whatever. Um, Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis Terminator. <laughs> um, it's quite poor, I think. Uh, although From the
0: director of Thor The Dark World.
2: Mm, yeah, that's there's like yeah. moments there's mo- there's moments of fun to be had in the spectacle of it, but they made loads of like baffling narrative mistakes.
0: My favourite detail about Terminator Genesis is that while they were making it, um the cast on the Fantastic Four reboot, which myself and Andrew both agree to be one of the worst films ever made, had jackets made that said at least we're not filming Terminator.
3: Oh gosh. Yikes.
2: <coughs> oh, Shade. the the, direct, the director of um Fantastic Four was like Thanks, but no Tranks. <laughs> hey um,
0: And then I think you're building to praise for Dark Fate, the most recent one, actually, because I know you have a soft spot, Joe.
2: Dark Fate is good. And I think it's it's really... Uh, you don't have to justify yourself. Yeah, it's... Well, I, I feel a bit... I, I feel mildly aggrieved because um, what happened, I think, with the Terminator movies was when Dark Fate came out, even though it got decent reviews, Audiences were understandably reticent to go see a new Terminator film after the a decade of bad three, Terminator basically. films. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this like feminist, intelligent, like ambitious, really well-directed, really good action scenes um, movie, and one that found a new, a fresh take on the Terminator character that wasn't a betrayal of the character. Um, had everything going for it. A couple of good performances by relatively unknown actresses as well, and also had um, political things to say in much yes. the same way that there's an LAPD cop was the villain in Terminator 2 just after the LA riots. We have, like, a border guard. Um, in there's a the scene at the at
0: detention camp, yeah, which is one of the yeah, first... De- I think it's one of the rare cases in a blockbuster I've actually seen a detention camp depicted. I think it's the only yeah, instance like, of a major film depicting that, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah and, like, a, be- year, a year after... Um, immigrants were being separated from their family members um so it's that it, that has a potency to it as well and ambition to it so it was like a proper terminator film it was the best one since terminator two and it's that it kind of saddens me that people didn't go see it and still people are kind of like meh i might watch it one day if it turns up on netflix and even then i probably won't
1: it's only it's only a matter of time before there's more um, kind of detention center movies because the, the American uh, military industrial complex loves to portray itself in movies. So there'll be some movie where the the hero is in ice. Like, they even have a movie about the Coast Guard. Don't yeah. <laughs> with yes, the, Kevin uh, Costner. Not, oh, Kevin Costner as an ice agent. Coast
0: Guard. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah, waiting for the yeah. Kevin Costner as an ice agent
2: movie. Um. Right. Kevin Costner as a villain ice agent. Ice. Agent character in a movie directed by Jordan Peele would get my tenor right now.
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger as a villain ice <laughs> agent.
3: I like I like um, I like the level. ice tea
0: and ice cube as partners working together as ice agents. You crazy Dr. ice tea. <laughs>
3: um, I really like I, I like the new Dark Fate um i did i because I, I thought i had that kind of attention to detail that the, the the cameron films had um i i did feel they were kind of like dark Fate was kind of like alien 3 in the sense that it just literally rips up 1 and 2 and makes them completely irrelevant you know there's no point to the films um the thing is you know cameron Because the obsession with trilogies, you know, in Hollywood, Cameron never seen it as a trilogy. He did actually want to close out the loop, and there is a scene that wasn't in the. It's in the final. It's in the extended edition of T2, where John Connor in the future. It's set around now in about 2020, and John Connor is a senator, and he's doing his best to try and stop uh, the scientists reaching the singularity and you know pushing forward to what we're actually approaching today. But just touch briefly on like Terminator Three, whatever. There was a weird thing with all of them that happened where they started to mirror the real world where John Connor wasn't, again, wasn't actually cast as this heroic kind of soldier he was kind of cast as a kind of you know someone who was like a, a recovering addict shifty kind of like alcoholic twitchy kind of like meth head which was kind of mirroring I think really unfairly and kind of like horribly Edward Furlong's own life you know yeah, it was really, bad. it was a really strange kind of thing they did that the script writers did where they weren't actually they were looking at Edward Furlong and then like maybe they wrote the part for him hoping he'd take it on and he could play this but then obviously he wasn't in a place that he could which I thought was really This like, is Nick style in, in Terminator 3 yeah, as you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I, I just I, I no, and before, Sal I think also had his own problems. Yeah, as well, but later on he did. He was yeah. part of a, a, a group of kind of young actors like Renfro and stuff that came up at the same time. They're all in Gumbo and stuff. that had problems, but um, not to uh, dwell on that. But I just felt it was really unfair. Anyway, so the memory Terminator Three. Just thinking, I was like, this is bull. I'll be back. Like, how are they getting away with this? Anyway, terrible film. The one I have the biggest beef for I think, is Salvation. <laughs> just so we can talk about it, and I know <laughs> this this podcast is basically about me and my beefs. <laughs> 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 various Terminator script writers but there's just the attention to detail you know there's at the beginning of the film whatever I won't get into it but we're, I know we're running out of time there's a moment where they say we just intercepted this kill list from Skynet uh, you're number two number one is some guy we never heard of before called Kyle Reese and it's like the only way Skynet would know that is if you watch Terminator 1 the film <laughs> <laughs> in another dimension no, like the whole point is that they don't know who Sky like Kyle Reese is so it's like all of the films essentially have information in the scripts three, four, five, six that nobody in the real like in the, the world of these movies would have unless they lived in our world and grew up watching the Terminator movies Emmett I'll
0: do you one better who is Skynet sending that kill list to oh, exactly like who's it circulating it's, it's,
3: among it's, it's itself why does it need to basically it's like office space you know I mean? it's like yeah. did you get the um, TPS reports to the local terminators? <laughs> you know uh, the I did, I'm
0: gonna need that kill list on my desk uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing
3: <laughs> you can get it, that kill list also, over
2: there that'd be great it, it, there's a
3: thing it's like you know there's like characters are all going around with matching clothes you know like there's a young girl and oh, that has like matching yeah, yeah. boots it's like where did they get a post-apocalyptic baby gap you know like she's a little you oh, know what? it's like denim jackets and like she's been kitted out with little cowboy boots and they're running around in a post-apocalyptic way I don't know it's they just got increasingly more and more stupid as they went on and I think you know the weight of the mythology of the original films and people watching the films 20 times and not realising that these films exist in a different world not her world Uh, Genesis was terrible and uh, Dark Fate is a very decent film
0: Okay, since we're apparently picking one each to pick on, I'm going to go with Genesis. Then Genesis is one of the go for it. Really? Oh, sorry, <laughs> Genesis is one of the uh, one of the worst blockbusters I've ever seen, but it's also one of the most revealing. It's what happens when you take like the concept of a Terminator film because I think Emmett mentioned like you know Hollywood's obsessed with trilogies. Hollywood's now obsessed with franchises and shared universes and the idea of properties that never have to die. You can just continually recycle them and release them and remake them and repackage them, and just as long as they have enough familiar nostalgic elements in them, people will go and see them. And Genesis is basically that for the Terminator film it's a a Terminator franchise, it's basically an attempt to strip out anything unique about the Terminators and reduce it down to a set of iconography right down to the fact where like there's a close up of I think Jay Courtney putting on the Nike runners from this film Mm -hmm. which is very much like designed to say oh you remember the Nike runners in this film well they've got their own close up now and that sort of stuff and like recreating shots scene for scene but out of context and with CGI and with other actors as if to say the whole point of this exercise is to get you to regurgitate. And just to consume like images that you remember vaguely from your childhood out of context, but with no greater meaning to them. So yeah, Terminator Genesis is one of the worst blockbusters I've ever seen. But it's also like, it feels like the purest distillation of modern blockbuster franchise <laughs> filmmaking I have
3: seen in the most depressing sort of way. Um, I think because maybe because like a writer or whatever, like plot holes are the big thing I'm always just like looking for. And then I spend like the next 20 minutes in the cinema obsessing over it. It's like, you know, Skynet has this huge, in Sega Genesis again, Uh, in Sega Genesis, the greatest sequel ever. there's 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 a time machine that's the size of, I don't know, you know, the Empire State Building, let's say. It's huge, massive. But then at some point in the 80s, the old Terminator, I can't even remember, and Sarah Connor. Carla, is it Carl? No, Carla's the one in the in the dark fake. Pops, oh, yeah, pops, it's pops, which was yeah. actually quite funny. Yeah. I thought um, they managed to construct a time machine with eighties tech. It's like you know. I remember Amstrad's and Commodore's, like, they, they, like it took, it took till, you know, you, you loaded a game in the morning and came home at lunch break and it still was not <laughs> loaded up, like, but somehow with 80s tech, they build a time machine. But the loading screens the were so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't it seems like that just, <laughs> I, that, that, that drove me bonkers, you know funny. what I mean? Uh, <laughs> the moment
0: in Genesis where she says, what's time travel like? It's like, well, it was white hot and it lasted like 15 minutes longer than it should have. And then I got stuck on this one screen. Um,
1: <laughs> all yeah, right. it was like being born. <laughs>
3: yeah. um. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. right. I, think
0: we're, I think we're about ready to wrap up, unless there's anything else anybody wants to talk about. Anything that we haven't discussed already with regards to the Terminator? Anything that anybody wants to uh, bring up very I know this
3: is kind of like, I know it's a film podcast, but we've kind of gone into like fanboy territory <laughs> of all, all the universe. And <laughs> uh, that's like guilty as charged. The Sarah Connor uh, the Chronicles is uh, decent. Oh, let's give it a watch. If you're uh, really, if you're really a completist like me,
2: it's not bad.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, and Eddie plays Sarah Connor.
0: Yeah. Um, and we'll also actually quick, give a quick shout out to all the character actors in the Terminator as well, because there's some wonderful work there as well. Paul Winfield is a detective and, um, and obviously um, what's his name? Um, oh, damn it. I've forgotten his name. Dick, um, Dick Miller, Dick Miller, the gun shop owner. Yes. Just what you see, buddy.
4: Yeah. 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 Which
0: is great. I and again, it early he's, today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, that, that kind of Schwarzenegger one-liner where it's like, buddy, you, can't do, do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> buddy, you can't do that <laughs> wrong. Um, <laughs> it's great. I like the idea that they programmed the Terminator for sass. Uh, but apparently uh, yeah, it was Miller's, Miller's idea. The ca- direct Cameron said, you know, I want you to play that scene as Panic. You turn around, you see him loading the gun. And you're like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. Apparently Miller was like, no, what I, what I do is I just turn around and I tell him he can't do that in a gun shop. And then I just get shot, which is a lot. Which is way us.
3: better, yeah, yeah. And that's why it's, directors like Cameron—they don't. They just want warm props. They don't want actors. Yeah. They just want people to say the lines, <laughs> and they don't deal in human emotions. <laughs> he wishes everybody was a CGI creation or a robot.
2: <laughs> um, I what I found interesting in the Terminator, actually, um, in the first Terminator, in the first few scenes, is how easy it is to come by guns, and um, that America oh, yeah. is one of yeah. the only. Like countries where you could set that scene, where you can just like rock into a gun shop and go like the nine millimeter and browse. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> if the Terminator, oh, if the Terminator well, materialized a, a police curling, car parked nearby, fine. and you're just like, "I'll help myself to that shotgun," thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, Any other country in the world, and you'd be screwed. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also a great country to construct a time machine. Uh, so. yeah. As, uh, as we discover in Genesis. It, yeah. I'm
0: wondering, it would be a very different movie if it, they landed in, say, Germany, for example, modern Germany um, or modern Ireland. That's I was saying, um, Carlo,
3: you know, you know <laughs> take on the Terminator <laughs> with to a, talk a few hurleys, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd have to talk about grouse for like <laughs> ten minutes, <laughs> like you
3: know. Oh, in the new one, yeah, he becomes a plaster or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: it, it, it,
3: it, no, he'd be back on insane. Tuesday.
0: <laughs> oh, Carl's drapes, isn't it? He? he becomes yeah, he becomes a carp. Uh, yeah, he becomes a sort of a, a, a curtain salesman.
3: Which was one of the best bits of Dark Fate, actually, when he's he's there, kind of talking about. It. He's like, I told him you can't have sunshine yellow. You need like eggshell white or something. And I was like, Oh yeah, which I was no, like,
2: you You can't have like block colors in the children's room of drapes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because there's a need, I think, in the Terminator 3. And look, we'll wrap this up now, but that was one of the things instantaneously you knew you were in a different film with a different director because Arnold Schwarzenegger goes in and instead of getting it from a load of rowdy bikers, he gets it from a male stripper who literally turns around Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator and says, talk to the hand (laughs) which he then goes on breaks so you're like, different film I know where I am, okay, Crap.
0: Well, to be fair, like, The Terminator is actually really funny when you watch it. Like, again, there are a lot of really Mm -hmm. good jokes there, but they don't interrupt the flow of the film. That's exactly, it's a really dark sense of humor, but it doesn't, it's never campy and in your face. It's always kind of wry and That's one of the
3: things with modern blockbusters is it's bathos, you know, the constantly quipping. You know, the Marvel movies do it constantly. It's just like, you know, underpinning, not underpinning. Undermining. Undermining, I should say, yeah. An entire kind of, like, dramatic scene and someone quips something, like a a Joss Whedon script on on crack, you know. Uh, I blame Joss Whedon yeah but well,
0: it's, it's 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 the almost the inverse of that simpsons joke we made Which that what a strange thing to say except they're like that is a really strange thing to say isn't it <laughs> yes. and then turn to the camera as if to say isn't it a really strange thing for somebody to yeah. say <laughs> yeah um i really really just like that style of humor in modern modern films i think like the terminators kind of right sense humor works better all right then is there anything else we want to discuss anything we haven't discussed already with regards to the terminator anything anybody wants to bring up any scenes any actors any moments any beats one missed? quick
1: thing with Linda Hamilton, oh. I I love the 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 scene where where she she turns to Reese and she's she's like get on your feet, soldier, because it says so much mm. about her, but it also says a lot about Reese because like like it reminds you of all of these movies where there's like a, a a soldier with like combat fatigue that needs to be kind of like pulled up by the drill sergeant, but the the the, the power. that 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 Linda has um has has gotten. Um it's it's just for it's 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 a very powerful moment for 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 her character.
2: It's what you said Joe. Oh sorry, Emma No, I was
3: saying I was just I was agreeing with you was what you were saying earlier about that thing of great films or stories like characters having an arc that like they begin in one place as one person and they end in another. Yeah, sorry, interrupted.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. It's those two characters starting to flip. It's like she's starting to emerge as the protector, and um, it actually that moment uh, weirdly reminded me of The Road, uh, like the uh, the book and the movie, which has the father and son, and the as father gets weaker, the son has has to just get stronger. And they they start to reverse as it goes on. It's yeah, it's a great moment.
3: The um, yeah. I thought the 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 sequence in the police station is like something action wise that's still brilliant. Yes. and Lance Henriksen. It's it's funny. Every character, you know, and Paul Winfield. It's very hard to, you know, characterize something that only has like five or ten lines, you know what I mean? But he does, it, like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's great script mm-hmm. and great writing, you know, he's, he's talking about, this is great stuff, you know, and he starts talking about something and Paul Winfield's character is just like, shut up, <laughs> you know, like, stop yeah. talking. And yeah. what's to I this guy who burnt his afghan. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Um, yeah, and he's like, stop
4: talking.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: great. Yeah, yeah, great stuff.
0: Um, well one of the interesting things about that actually to be fair just very very quickly is that Cameron's noted that like one of the themes of the film is this idea of dehumanization and it's not even just the Terminator that dehumanizes it's the other characters as well it's the moment that the detectives stop seeing people as human beings for example and start joking about it or the way that Silverman kind of doesn't look at you know sort of Kyle Reese as somebody who needs help but as somebody he can exploit the idea that you know in 1984 is just as prone to dehumanize people as, as 2029 very quickly before we wrap up I will note the 250 food race because I, ginger doesn't finish her sandwich
1: that is true there's a, there's also a lot of inappropriate smoking with the the uh <laughs> people putting cigarettes out in 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 teacups and people like looking for a cigarette when they're already smoking one and <laughs> yeah. I did, they, they, on and on, on just i uh, really quickly going back to the, your point about dehumanizing, I liked kind of the bit about how even before they get to kind of Uh, meeting a person who who, who, who won't treat them like a human being they have to go through all these machines yeah so she's trying to ring the police and she can't get through she's on like a message and they're trying to ring her and they can't get through they're through to a machine but the yeah the, the 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 kind of dehumanizing aspect of that where you don't feel like a person because you're not speaking to another person um and then when you do get speaking to another person they don't treat you like a real person <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah,
0: yeah yeah um and that's that's without worrying about the psychopathic kind of robot that's been sent back in time to murder you yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> that's quite apart from all that all right then i think that about wraps it up so what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners something you're enjoying at the moment something that's bringing you joy it could be something related to the movie we just discussed to be something unrelated just whatever you think listeners might like to hear so to give uh, emmett and joe a chance to think about this i'm going to ask andrew for your recommendation
1: Lovely. So I will recommend a movie that sounds like it might be similar to um, Threads. It's it's also an eighties um, nuclear winter sort of um, anxieties movie, and it's it's um, the title comes. Darren, you'll like this because it comes from a Bowie song. It's um, as the wind uh, blows. When, yes. Yeah. I think it's when the wind. When blows, the wind blows. So I'd recommend that. It's it's one of those movies that would kind of come on at like one or two o'clock on Channel Four, <laughs> and you'd watch it and just be disturbed, <laughs> not able to go back to sleep. It's 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 a very it's a it, it's a very sad kind of movie about 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 an old couple trying to kind of survive through 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 the nuclear winter um and um another thing i'd recommend is uh breweries um um it's uh it's what i've been having Uh, so um yeah i've um it's great if if you if, if if you want to support um sligo breweries um White Hag do some very eccentric ones, like they'll have like a chocolate mint sort of a thing. But like, how much of that are you actually going to drink? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, First we're, conversation we're, piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Lockgill you could probably have as much of t- as two of them <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and right. not feel like a weirdo. Yeah. Uh,
0: and Emmett, what about yourself? What would you recommend for listeners?
3: Um, I, yeah, n- not to be unrelentingly bleak, but um. <laughs> well it's keeping in that kind of movies made at the time Uh, there's a great film might not know about it I don't think it ever got a theatrical release I think it was I think it's based on a a book it's called Testament and it's similar kind of a, a well not really it's basically about a town in Southern California or Northern California I think in the aftermath of the nuclear war and what happens and how and it's a kind of very slow paced movie. It's not a kind of big budget. It's, it's it's kind of family drama and them dealing with the they get the three minute warning. The husband is on the way back from uh, New York and the lights go in the distance and essentially everything cuts out. Uh, it's a very, very first appearance of Kevin Costner as an actor and Rebecca De Mornay, uh play a young couple very briefly in it. And I the the actress, the main actress in it is a is a very well known uh, theatre actors and film actors I can't remember her name right now I haven't got it in front so Testament is one Threads is another but be warned Threads is a very 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 dark watch and it will haunt your dreams
0: I love that by the way you're like Testament is grueling and horrible but on the other hand Threads yeah,
3: Threads, Threads is even more so Threads is unrelenting <laughs> like Threads is kind of the, yeah there's like the, yeah it's really I don't know and Ridley Walker have any ever read that book? No um, so, uh, if you've seen Mad Max 3, they've, they've, they've borrowed generously from it. But it's set a thousand years into the future uh, in, 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 in in England, which is possibly, it's the past or it's the future, but it's most likely the, the future where there's been a nuclear war and language is broken down and it's written in a new type of English that has developed in the aftermath oh, yeah. of the nuclear war. Uh, so very
0: similar to Canticle for Leibovitz, is that? What's that? that sort of thing? Yes, exactly. Canticle yeah. for Leibovitz, yeah. yeah and,
3: and so they, they get paid in kind of blocks of hash, and they rizzlers. There's a there's the only kind of made the only factory that's left is a rizzler rolling paper place. And they <laughs> dig into the ground and they <laughs> dig up metal. Yeah, it's mad, but it's it's really out there. It's a uh, Russell Hoban and it's called Ridley Walker. And an Irish theatre company actually did a play version of it. A so Waterford Irish theatre company did a play version of it. And Mad Max Three, the children talking, "Tomorrow, tomorrow lands and we'll go." <laughs> like this is kind of he's basically robbed her from Ridley Walker. So uh, yeah, Ridley Walker has a book in terms of science fiction and nuclear war. Oh. And, and I don't know, Watch Modern Family, if you want to laugh? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I heard, you know, you I heard continue it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Will you continue the trend um, here?
2: Yeah, actually, the, mine is very, very, very different. Um, my wife and I are approaching the end of a rewatch of all of the US office. And it, I actually read recently that rewatching stuff has really taken off this past uh six months or so um because it's reassuring to watch something light that you know how it's going to end um during like a global crisis um so yeah the us office is is amazing it's much better than the uk one come at me internet and uh I, I think. Yeah, I I think I've Steve... heard a
1: lot of people say that. Like, yeah. uh, like I haven't watched very much U.S. Office, but I, I've 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 had a lot of people say that that like like you know kind of stay up watching the U.S. Office, and there's a lot more of them as well. That's the way <laughs> Americans make television
3: shows. Yeah. There's
2: nine seasons. Yeah, um, I've, yeah. I've watched them all.
3: Yeah, it's me and the misses. it's quite good.
2: So, yeah, it's hilarious and it's kind of satirical about what uh, about how grown-ups are just kind of making stuff up as they go along and then management the more you get to know each of the management including like the ceos and stuff the crazier and more incompetent they seem to be and like modern office life and i've i've worked in my share of it is kind of a an improvised shambles and it's got great actors loads of them have background in improv um like very joke heavy it always has a pre-credit like little skit that's about a minute long and always hilarious and uh, a few a handful of future stars like amy adams and stuff turn up in it as well so it's just a real pleasure to watch we're loving it and so yeah we're, we're in the final stretch of the nine seasons and it took us like Two months or something to just wow. That's burn that's, right that's right quite quickly it. actually. Yeah.
3: yeah. Parks and Rec is actually quite good as well. I've rewatched that. We got it on uh, Amazon, but it's you know similar territory. But mm-hmm. I just I love the way they kind of keep on looping back in these kind of jokes about the town is overrun by raccoons, and it's just <laughs> so, <laughs> so stupid. But it's just like it's really yeah, it's it's, a, it's, it's really it's is, really funny.
2: Yeah, many of the same writers involved. Oh, was it? Posters, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and very quickly in terms of recommendations for myself uh, Emmett mentioned the police uh, station sequence as one of the great action sequences in cinema and one of the most influential I think it absolutely is. Upgrade uh, Upgrade, and uh, Lee Wannell's films I'd like to recommend so those are Upgrade and The Invisible Man uh, both of which take very heavy cues from The Terminator in terms of their visual language and their action choreography and are well worth seeking out if you haven't had a chance to see them. Also recommend a couple of like 1980s kind of you know American science fiction movies uh, partly because Flash Gordon has gotten a 40th anniversary release i'm not sure it's a good movie but it's also a great movie um it's that sort of like it has wonderful th- it does and timothy dalton in it as well um and again schwarzenegger was considered for the lead role but dino de Laurentiis turned him down because he thought the accent
2: wouldn't work um <laughs> also because schwarzenegger slagged him for being short
3: really yeah that's good um, these are the type of tidbits we come here for guys
0: right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the good stuff And also uh, the other great 1984 American science fiction movie which I am hint-hint trying to see if I can convince Andrew that we might cover it in December David Lynch's Dune from 1984 which is again not sure if it's a not sure if it's a good movie, but it's a great movie. If that makes sense, it is. I'll definitely go to
1: bat for it. Yeah, there, there, there is there is so much I like um, ab, 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 ab about that. It's so weird and um, like it it it's it. I I I feel like Lynch is a good person to 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 give to give a project to like that. And what yeah. did they think would happen? There's
3: a six, <laughs> there's a six hour edit of it apparently. There's a six hour oh, wow. yeah, there's a six yeah. hour edit of and Harlan Ellison, who we we, we talked about at the start of the show, he reviewed it when it came out and absolutely savaged it. But he's quoted as saying, with time, you have all of these brilliant kind of actors like Patrick Stewart and all of like it's just it the thing isn't being a beauty and it's mad. But he, he says, yeah. you know, you have like Sting, he was even saying like Sting is in there. Like these great actors doing great kind of I don't know, it's like it's like the Royal Shakespeare Company in space. It's bonkers man and it's and they all like obviously Herbert did a lot of acid like in the 60s or whatever well he did him and Philip K. Dick are like on record if their writing changed after they did it the thing it's like Lynch obviously did as well so the whole thing is like the spice and it's like a lot of mad outfits in space <laughs>
0: Uh, Just very quickly, not not to reopen the Terminator, one of my favorite little details of the Harlan Ellison story we didn't get into is the fact that like Ellison, when he found out that the Terminator was based on his writings, tried to get to see the press screening of it, but was barred and he had to sneak in pretending to be the apprentice of, I think, Richard Brody from The New Yorker was how he managed to get into the screening (laughs) by promising to be... Imagine like <laughs> pretending to be a critic's assistant and getting into a screening that way. The eighties <laughs> were a very, very different time. Watch, um,
3: watch the interviews with Alison on the what the the, the the Tomorrow Show. They're on. They are a treat. He is really incredibly. And there's a documentary about him. I think, sharper teeth or something and uh uh robin williams is actually one of the main kind of interviewers of ellison and ronald D. E. Moore from star trek fame obviously in star galactica and also uh, they, uh neil gaiman all contribute to it and his work and the interview ellison at lent that's another recommendation uh he is he's bonkers he's mad yeah <laughs> great cracker uh, all right and if people are looking for a bit more
0: joe a bit more Emmett online where they can find you so joe where are you at
3: uh, Twitter
2: is where you'll usually find me at, and it's the Joe Griffin, like T H E, and then Joe Griffin.
3: Um, I uh, the Instagram, I think. <laughs> 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 no, gonna, in my head, I was like, because I'm writing a play at the minute. I was like, you need to just get you know onto so you find me, find me in the theatre, kids. Um, you can also <laughs> find it like thing. on DVD,
0: and I to say on DVD and on like home media, on digital download, and Dublin Old School. Oh yeah, Dublin um,
3: Old School f- uh, is on, is on <laughs> all all platforms. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, it's out there. Should have said that. Pimp, or you yeah, can p- pimp yourself, um. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't expected to. I was like, oh shill. <laughs> Phil, chill, 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 yeah. chill, chill, um, chill, yeah, they've been listening to this, is this podcast for over
0: two hours. They're 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 in the
3: bag, Emmett I, uh, Yeah, I, I feel like for, and Ellison now. You know, talking about royalties now. was like I don't get any money for the plays. So if you want to watch it, go for it. I suppose you know. <laughs> I don't care.
1: Um, well, we, like some people play their podcasts out loud and not through earphones, so we can say, um, "Okay, Alexa, like purchase Dublin old school." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alexa, okay, okay Google, Alexa, yeah.
3: purchase Dublin old school. <laughs>
1: Excellent.
3: All right. I happening. Think we,
0: we've done our good deed. Now you have to watch it, listeners. Um, but yes. All right. So uh, we are wrapping up. But we'll, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, one of two things is going to happen next week. Either Tenet is going to release internationally, get into the 250, and we'll be covering it then. Or myself and Andrew will be covering a new hot entry. From a young director showing great promise, Charlie Chaplin's 1928 classic *The Circus* has just broken onto the list for the first time, and we'll be talking about it then. Uh, Emmett, it's been a pleasure having you, Joe. I think we will be having you back on quite soon to talk about another Schwarzenegger classic. Um, that will be coming up in September. We're really looking forward to that one. All right, take we're, it easy, guys. We're a
1: time traveling pod- podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some we of definitely this might haven't... have happened in the future or the past. <laughs>